now is the time. A time you'll look back on. A time you adopt as inspiration. You will recollect this time. This moment. Right now. Motivate yourself towards success. Overcome. Take over. The time is now. Welcome to Loaded Bag and UFC. We are back. The big match preview is back. And uh, yeah, it seems like we've been doing these a lot recently, uh, over recent weeks. But um, look, things are getting uh, things are getting tense. Things are moving thick and fast uh, in the race for European football and in particular the race for Champions League. And we're going to discuss it all today, tonight, wherever you are in the world. We know some are from down south, um, down under. So welcome. Uh, into the chat, but first of all, the main man, the old Brandy and Blaze, is back in business. Um, Chrissy Hall, how are you doing, fella? I'm good, mate. Yeah, how's, how's things with you? You okay, Pete? Yeah, difficult day, um, yeah. as you loaded boys know, uh, for me personally, but um, but yeah, um, it's yeah, it's it is what it, what it is, and we are here to talk football, which I'm very, very happy about, um, which would be a nice a change for me. But look, from your perspective, Villa away, Villa Park, what are your thoughts going into Saturday, mate? Do you know what? I'm in, I'm in, a, I'm in a funny place, uh, which I've not been in for a good number of weeks. Um, I've got to be honest, I'm nervous over it. I'm really, really nervous over it. I feel like, you know, we've had three fantastic wins uh, on the bounce, three really difficult games. Um, you know, if, you, if you'd have said to me a month or so ago, um, you'll beat Man United at St. James's and then you'll go to Brentford and get three points, you'll go to West Ham and get three points. I'd have probably gone, that's a bit, a bit much that. And now we're, we're going to arguably one of the informed teams in the league going to Villa Park and we know that there's a little bit of uh, history there, should we say. Um, so I just don't know whether emotions might get the better of us, whether, you know, we've got anything left in the tank. And and also, Peter, be honest, you know, given the position that we've put ourselves in now, um, will Eddie Howe be looking at this game and thinking, you know, this this isn't, this isn't a, you know, the be-all, end-all. This isn't the game that will determine whether or not we get top four. Um and I, I, I'm actually wondering whether, you know, he maybe rests a couple of players. I don't know. Because it, it, it's a tight schedule. We've got a lot of fixtures coming up. And I think when we discussed, um, we discussed on a show, um, I, can't, I can't remember the name of which show it was, but we were talking about, you know, points that we could potentially pick up and games where we saw that we may potentially drop points. And I think we all agreed that, you know, this game was going to be the game that was um, up there as being a tough one. 
Um, and you're, go, you're going to Villa Park as well, aren't you, Pete? I'll be there. I'll be there in the away end, uh, supporting the, the black and white boys. Um, <clears throat> fingers crossed they, they get me the win. But I remember you guys when we did the build-up, that you guys all thought that this might be a loss, and I refused to have it. You weren't it. having it. You weren't having it. I was no. like, it cannot no. be. But look, um, you made some really good points, Chris. Um, it is a big game. Um, lots of different talking points. But as always, um, we get the opposition's view and we've got two fantastic guests that we're going to bring on very, very shortly. Uh, but look, I want to give a massive shout out to so many, um, you know, pushing 80 to 100 already in the chat. Um, we've got Jordy Mick. Welcome back, Jordy Mick. It's great to see you back, by the way. Haven't seen you for a while. I hope you're well and you're recovered. Um, Simon's in the chat. Welcome, Simon. Um, Lisa, obviously our resident spanner, uh, is in the chat. Uh, Mark Todd, Rich, uh, Rich Dublin, uh, welcome in. Um, uh, we have many, many others as well. And I'm just clicking through. We've got Tom Dixon right at the top with some questions. Some good questions coming in already as well. And we've, of course, we've got Mr. Dash Shocks. Uh, it wouldn't be away days of that having uh, Daz in the chat as well. Michael Palmer's just sneaked in there and, and Simon B.A. Is, is popped in there too, uh, along with many others. But look, this is the away days. This is the opposition view. And we are delighted to have um, two fantastic guests. Um, and with Rich not being able to join us, and I blame Rich Joblin on this because of your comments on Battleground 3. Don't think I don't remember that. Um, he's not able to make it, but we have a fantastic um, a replacement from the Villa Pop Pod, uh, and that's um, Kevin. So welcoming Kevin. How are you doing? How are you doing, gents? All right. Thanks for having me. No problem at all. Pleasure to have you. And of course, coming back for more, uh, we've got from Total Screamers podcast, uh, we have uh, Billy. How you doing, Billy? I'm very well, thank you, lads. How are we all doing? Not too bad, Amazing. not too bad. Uh, great to have you, have you both on, guys. And uh, I think we I think we said it before we went on air, is a bit of a tag team, isn't it, tonight? Uh, you boys, <laughs> first time you're meeting, but you boys are kind of coming together to to fight the, uh, the, the Villa cause. Absolutely, mate. Absolutely. Yeah, see what happens at the end, shall we? Yeah, see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. But no, great, great to have you on. And look, the questions are flying in and we will come to those questions at some point uh, with regards to um, uh, all things Villa and Newcastle. But one of the things that I, look, one of the things I'm going to talk to you about, um, and we asked Rich about this um, on the Battlegrounds 3, um, is, is the form table. Look at that form table there. Sixth in the table, um, but not just that. You've got four wins on the bounce, um, no defeats in five. Um, looking rosy for you boys, isn't it? What, 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 no defeats in seven, actually, mate. No wins in yes. seven, wow. Um, no, no defeats in seven. We've, we've won four oh, on the bounce. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm preempting what I expect it to be over the next five games. There's no win. But look, you guys... You must be absolutely buzzing um, in, in what you're seeing right now. Billy, I'll come to you first. Um, you know, not just on the form guide, but just what what is what have you made of this kind of transition? Because I'm am I right in thinking it is a transition in terms of how you're playing now and what you're putting together in the back end of the season? Yeah, I mean, Unai Emery came in and just instantly said, This is how we're gonna play. And this is how we're going to do it. This is going to be my team going forward. And it's just working so 
so well. It just looks like his his style of football just suits our players perfectly. We've got to remember this is still a majority. Well, it is a Steven Gerrard side, bar two signings that he brought in in January. One one of which was a left back, and the other of which was a nineteen uh, year old striker to back up Ollie Watkins. So this is still a Steven Gerrard team, and to to do what he's done so far after what five six months, it's it's just incredible. And you know we've we've got a tough run in i'm i'm looking forward to the game at the weekend because it's a real good test for us we've already beat man united since he came in we've beaten brighton we've beaten spurs we've, we've beaten big teams that are above us and it's a it's a real opportunity now for us to really lay down a marker and finish as strong as we can and in my opinion anyway i don't know what uh, kevin thinks but europe's in our hands at the minute we play the rest of our games, are, are the majority of them anyway, are against teams above us and in and around us. So if we can pick up wins, <laughs> pardon me, sorry, we can pick up wins here, there and everywhere. You know, it's it's in our own hands. We're sixth in the league. It, it, it can come to Villa Park and I, I think it can if we can continue continue the form. Yeah, look, there was a reason we had you, and I'll come to you on this, Kev. We, there's a reason we had um, Rich um, Sutherland uh, from your channel on, on Battleground uh, Europe 3. Um, and I, it, I think it's fair to say, and I think Rich is already in the chat, he's already put something <laughs> my way. Yes. Um, he, um, it, he was kind of questioned straight away, is it, why, why, why is he even here? Like, yeah. you're not fighting for Europe, you're not in there. And then the transformation in the weeks that have gone on since that have just kind of proven that, proven that point. I mean, what have you made of this transition? And, and honestly, where do you see yourself finishing up? Because as Billy's just said, it is kind of in your hands, looking at your remaining fixtures, you do play everyone in the top half of the table. Yeah, um, I think it would be like if I kind of stumbled into a Hollywood party somehow, like the looks that I'd be getting in that room are probably the looks that Rich was getting on that part. <laughs> like, what the, what the hell is he doing here? This 42-year-old brummy. Um, <laughs> Villa have been nowhere, really, you know, for, 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 for ages in terms of being in the hunt for, God, I wouldn't say Europe, in terms of the hunt for top 10. You know, we flirted mm-hmm. with it a little bit under the sort of the COVID season when we had an amazing start. Um, and I, I'll go actually one point further from what, what Billy said. <laughs> this isn't Gerard's team at the moment. This is Dean Smith's team. Um, because the, the Gerrard signings, Coutinho has been injured. Kamara's currently injured. Um, Den Donker doesn't play. Bednarek went, went back to Southampton. Um, so really, it's and, and Diego Carlos was, was has been long term injured as well. He's only come back into the squad. Mm-hmm. So Bar Moreno, the left back. This is an entire team that we had under Dean Smith. So the transformation from you know a team that stayed up basically last day of the season finished to 11th in the league, then he lost his job, then Gerard came in. It's just something that Villa fans couldn't have dreamed of. And it's gone beyond that new manager bounce now. I mean, you've got the form guy there. Billy mentioned it. I mean, it's six wins out of seven. We've only conceded one goal in open play in seven matches. And it was that, I don't know if you've seen the Harvey Barnes goal, we got, we, he got in the 2-1 defeat. Great goal. Good, great goal. Yeah. Brilliant goal. That's the only goal we've conceded. I mean, we've been a bit of a flat trap bully and beating quite a few teams. We probably... Should have beaten, but Villa historically come unstuck against the, the Watfords, the Burnleys, the, you know those kind of type of teams. So it's been it's been absolutely unbelievable. And Villa fans, I think, are pinching themselves that we've got a manager of this caliber that's made us 
tough to beat. That's given us given us a little bit of an identity. You know, we're playing out from the back. There's been some challenges with it. And for us to be in the in the conversation around top six, top seven um, in April is unbelievable. So yeah, I just think it's um it's a really exciting time to be. Clearly for our Newcastle fans, it's a great time for you guys. But it's actually nice, I think, generally, because I know there's been a bit of needle between the clubs, not for me personally, but you know, past but two proper football teams with a great history that are up there now, you know, knocking on the door of of, of Europe Champions League up for you guys and, and Europa League for us. No, I think that's that, that's more than fair, and and you guys have have certainly put yourself right in the mix of everything, Chris. Um, I want to get your thoughts on Villa. Like, what what have you made of their uh, their, their kind of transition, really, into not just the top half of the table, but into the European conversation? Were you surprised by it? And just an added point onto that, um, I was certainly wasn't aware of what Kev said in terms of not not concede, uh, or conceding only one. Open goal, like um, goal in open play in the last seven games. That surprised me genuinely. What, what do you mean? Yeah, I mean to touch on that last point. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't realize it was, uh, it was, you know, they'd conceded so little. I mean, Villa have been playing really well, and I think you know they've, they've kind of, they've kind of come out of nowhere. I mean, for me personally, like I, I had no doubt that Emery would do better than Gerard. Um, you know, I think Gerard rode on the crest of a wave, didn't he, from from his time at Rangers? Um, and then I can I can see why he took the Villa job because it's a huge club back in the Premier League, and I think you know there was an opportunity there, and he he, he had a good squad of players, and unfortunately it just didn't work out. But um, I'm a surprise that Villa. Yeah, I suppose I am surprised because I would I would have expected something like this next season. I thought it would kind of be, you know, Emery would come in and kind of patch things up and maybe try and secure them a top 10 finish. But I didn't think that they would do as well as they have. Um, And, you know, full credit to Emery for that, because it's been a really big turnaround. And now, you know, the form that we've been in and the fact that, you know, we're playing the likes of Man United, etc. And we're going, yeah, well, we'll beat them. But the fact that we're all nervous about, well, not all of us, but I am anyway, and I'm sure a few others are as well. Going to Villa Park, it's no longer seen as like, you know, um, an, an opportunity to just turn up and take your three points. It's it's a difficult ground to go to. And it, it's been like that over the years, but now more so than ever, um, it's going to be it's going to be a big ask. And as I say, there's been a big run of games um, and. And it's genuinely one of those games where I could see either of the three options happening, you know, whether it be a home win, away win or a draw. Um, and that's that's credit to Emery and credit to the players, you know, for, for getting themselves in gear. And, you know, the lads have already said uh, Emery's only brought in two players. Moreno, who looks like, you know, is a really good left back. Um, and the young lad up top to replace Watkins if and when necessary. But talking of Watkins, Watkins has been, Watkins has been a breath of fresh air, hasn't he? He's, he's come out of the traps, hasn't he, since Emery's come in? Let's 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 talk about him. Um, great segue, Chris. Uh, Ollie Watkins um, seems to be finding the net all the time at the moment. Like, what 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 have you boys made of, uh, of his of his rise? I have to say, and Chris, you might agree with me with regards to this. There's a lot of there's a lot of fans and a lot of not not necessarily Newcastle fans, just fans in general. When you hear Ollie Watkins talked about, they don't rate him. They don't rate him. They they, they don't think he's he's a good player, but he seems to be churning in the goals. Like, what do you make of him uh, uh, from a Villa perspective? Um, do, do you want to go on that? Yeah, uh, let's start with Billy. Go, Billy, Billy. Yeah. Well, to, to be honest with you, on Watkins, 
I've been particularly the beginning of the season and, and last season, I was quite a big critic of his because of the amount of chances that he would often miss. Since Emery, that's just not really happened. I can I can think of maybe a couple off the top of my head where you think, yeah, he, he should probably have scored that one. But for the most part, he's been taking his chances. And that's ultimately what the difference has been. I think as well, under Emery, he's he's been given more of a, a basic role. He's he's spoken about himself of under under previous managers, he would um he'd be doing a lot more off the ball, whereas Emery says just do this, just just do such and such. And and he does it and he's reaping the rewards for it as well. Another thing I, I, I want to point out with, uh, with Watkins as well is a stat that came up the other day. Other than Harry Kane and Mohamed Salah, Ollie Watkins is the only player to score 10 goals in three, in the past three seasons. Um, wow. Yeah. So he's, he's not a bad striker by any means. But again, like I say, he just needs to take his chances more often, which he which he has been doing of late. And uh, you know, he's he's up there for, for the England strikers, in my opinion. Uh, he's not going to get in ahead of Kane, obviously. Ivan Tony's up there. Callum Wilson's up there. But I I think Ollie Watkins is certainly in the conversation for the uh, for the for an England call up again. Sorry, and who can deny him of that in this vein of form as well? No, Kev, your your thoughts on on Ollie Watkins? Is there anything different or anything to add with regards to your opinion on on Watkins uh, from what Billy's just said? Well, um, nine goals in the last eleven games for Ollie Watkins. Um, yeah, it's a shame actually. This game's not at your place now because he scored in, in six away games in a row. So like, that's I think the last player to do that was Aguero in 2017. Um, the the great thing about Villa right now is as a Villa fan is, is I'm sure Billy will concur with this is we just Emery's like slain uh, dragons of like stat, like different different things that we couldn't get past we were never winning our third kit we'd never win away from home we'd never beat 10 men we'd never you know all these different things we never we haven't beat Man United at home since 1995 I think it was y'all win nothing with kids remember that right no. that season yeah um, every year buying a Man United home ticket for a Villa fan was like it was literally like you're wasting your money Right, and we've won that. So, and and for Villa, you know, Watkins was he scored one goal before Emery came. Um, so I just think that look, I echo a lot of what what Billy says. I was fair fair critic of Watkins, and I really have, you know, turned that around quite a lot lately because of the, just the form he's been in. Um, he's he's an interesting type of player because he's got a fantastic attitude. But he, 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 Dean Smith said about Watkins, he was the best pressing centre forward in the league. That's what Dean Smith always used to say. He's not doing that level of pressing now. He's staying way more around the opposition box, and he's um, and he's finishing goals. And he worked so much on his finishing, you know. And he was getting he was getting pelters on social media because you know there was all these videos of him with a finishing coach, and he was missing chances. But you know, nine and elevens, it's nothing to be sniffed at. The one criticism I have of Watkins is this: he very rarely scores more than one goal in a game. And I think for top top strikers. You know, you know, there's times you you, you get an, get the odd hat trick, you know, maybe getting a couple of braces here and there, but he very rarely does that. But um, but right now, for the for the former he's in, and that's that ten plus goals the last three seasons, I don't really know there's many players you'd swap in with right now if, you, if you're a Villa fan. Yeah, interesting. I mean, Chris, I come to you before we move on. Um, Ollie Watkins, like, have you have you watched? Like, I don't know how closely you've watched him, but just. You know, what what do you make of him from the outside looking in? 
uh, as like a non Villa Villa player, a Villa fan. Are you someone that you know watches him and thinks, "Wow, he is a top player"? Or are you like some other fans out there that, that don't uh, that don't see the quality that he, he produces? Mm. Yeah, I mean, I'll be honest. Um, up until up until maybe the last eleven games, I always kind of felt that Watkins was a little bit. I I I always got the impression he was a hard worker. And like he'd run the channels, he'd run all day for you. Like you can see his work rate and you can see his effort, but I always kind of felt like he wasn't as prolific when it comes to you know having that opportunity. He was, he did strike me as one of those players who you know would would need four or five chances before he put one away. Mm. Um, not to say he's a bad player, but I know Villa forked out north of thirty million for him, didn't they? If if I'm correct in saying that, and I. I I don't know. I suppose I always thought like he was kind of the bridesmaid, never the bride. Like he, 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 he'd have little spells, little runs, and he'd go on little runs, and you think, oh, you know, decent player. But then you, you know, I mean, I don't watch him as much as these two lads. I, I don't watch him week in week out. But whenever I saw him, I, I always kind of thought like, you know, good player. But is he, is he really like a top eight, top ten player Premier League? I'm not so sure. Um, but the form he's in now, you know, maybe it did just take for him to be under a manager who believed in him, a manager who trusted him, um, and you know now he's starting to reap the rewards because Villa, Villa have got some, Villa have got some really like you know interesting players, and when when I say interesting, that's probably me downplaying it a bit, but they've got some dangerous players, should I say? You know, the likes of Brandia, the likes of Coutinho, the likes of Bailey. I mean, I'm a massive fan of Bailey. I think I think Bailey's a, a really, really good player. Not I maybe mean, the most consistent. You can have him. Take him. <laughs> I was just going to say a similar thing. Are you, oh, are you just not a fan of Bailey? Oh, no, he's horrendous in my yeah. opinion. I, I give him powers wow. every week. Yeah, yeah. He's, yeah. He's, got, wow. he's got he's got the, he's got the, he's touchy. I mean, he'll either do something unbelievable, but most yeah. of the time he's the. I mean, I know wingers can be streaky. I know that mm. absolutely the best yeah. ones, but he's been. You've got. I don't know what Billy thinks, but I just think he's been a massive flop for Villa. I mean, we um yeah. we spent the Grealish money on on Watkins. Sorry, on on Buendia, Bailey, and Ings. Ings is scoring the Conference League for West Ham tonight. He's gone there. Um, Buendia's been better this season, but still hasn't been the you know the record signing levels you'd expect. And Bailey's been very very hit and miss for me. Uh, if if we got rid of him in the summer, I wouldn't be surprised, and I wouldn't give two hoots. I'd rather honestly. We had Al Ghazi, who, who, who would bang you a goal in every now and then. Um, Bertrand Traore, I think he's a better shout in the team for him right now. Bailey's been, a, for me, a huge disappointment in a bit of shirt. You can't rely on him. Is, yeah, is I, that, I is that why he constantly well. gets dropped? Because I, I see like he'll go on a run and, you know, he'll play like one, maybe two, three games. And you see he has little clips, you know, where like he'll hit the bar or you'll do a little jink and he'll put a cross in or something like that. And you think, bloody hell, he's a good player him. And then all of a sudden he'll just be dropped. And then you think, why is he not playing? But is that well, is that for what you're saying? He's played a lot actually under Emery, but I think that's been because of the lack of options. I mean, Gerard, Gerard's, I don't know if all the wingers at the club were sleeping with his wife, but like he got rid of everyone. Philogene Bidet's gone on loads of Cardiff. Crescent Gates got sent to Egypt. Al Garci got shipped out. Traore got shipped out. You know, you've got, we had absolutely no width, you know. Uh, so I think Emery almost hasn't got many options. And then when Coutinho got injured, he's either playing a midfielder wide. So um, I think that's why Bailey's played quite a bit. But he's, I mean, I, I feel for the lad, you know, his, his stepdad slash agent says he's not the best player in the world. That doesn't help. <laughs> um, but um, no, he's, I, 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 I was going to say, with, with, our, with our attacking players, and back to Watkins briefly, 
the one thing he one thing he just doesn't have, which is what you guys have got with Isak, he isn't gonna score something from out of nothing very often. Mm. I mean he's really worked on his finishing, but he's not that level of like, you know, star quality potential basically with Watkins. And we thought we were gonna get that with a Bailey based on his Bundesliga, you know, record, but um it's been a very, very sort of hit and miss. To be fair, look, looking at it right now, I'm just looking in, in, in the chat and um you, you've got Villa 1982 that's that's in agreement. Like as soon as you boy said that, I was shocked. And then I looked at the chat and he was like, Yeah, you shit. <laughs> and I was really <laughs> surprised. Yeah. Now, um that really surprised me because obviously because of the fact that you boys have said you heavily um you heavily invested in him. Um, and coming from Leverkusen, he was looked at by a lot of teams. I know Arsenal were really keen on him as well. Yeah. So the fact that you got him was both a surprise and I thought a statement of where you guys were going to go. But no, really, really interesting with, mm. with, with regards to that. That's for sure. But uh, I j- just want to press pause for a second, just because we've got 150 in the chat. So welcome everyone in the chat tonight that's watching the show. Um, if you haven't already, just click that thumbs up, that like button. And if you haven't already, especially the... The, the, the Villa fans in there, just get that subscribe. We will be doing a review show after the game on Saturday, Saturday evening. So uh, you may want to come and listen to um, uh, what we've got to say on that. But um, yeah, welcome everyone uh, in the chat tonight. Um, yeah, really, really interesting. Um, great to get your thoughts. And this is why we do away days, is because you know, our opinions from the outside looking in are very different to what you guys see, because you see everything Every day, every day, and every week, when you guys play, and it's kind of the other way around, really, um, because we'll we'll talk a little bit uh, now um, uh, in reverse with regards to Newcastle. So equally, we went on a run of what six, seven games of uh, not not getting a win, and we were in a bit of a slump, um, and we weren't sure if we were going to come out of it, but. Since the Wolves game, we have come out of it and we are currently on a five-win run, uh, sitting third in the table uh, in, in the Premier League right now on 56 points. And at this point now, um, there is a lot more talk, not just from our fan base, but in the media, um, about our potential Champions League push. Now, um, I'll come to you boys first, because obviously we've talked about going to Villa Park and playing you boys, and you're flying right now. But what is your mindset going into this game on Saturday as Villa fans that are in a great in a great position and in great form right now, coming up against a team that are equally in very, very good form in Newcastle United? Um, but Billy, I'll start with you. What, what are your thoughts at this moment? Um, to be honest with you, I'm I'm looking forward to this game purely because it it's a it shows where we are as as Emery's transitional phase, if you like it. If we can get three points against you, it really slaps down a marker and says we're we're here. Welcome to the welcome to the big boys kind of thing. If you know what I'm trying to say, you know we're we're here to compete. We're not just here. This isn't just a purple patch. We are here. Because and the fact that there's a, a few of you that are nervous about this game just shows how far we've come as well. Because that that wasn't the case when I came on earlier earlier in the season. Yes, we just got rid of um, Gerard Emery. Had, I think he'd just been appointed or something like that. Um, and it was, I mean, we'd just come off the back of a four 0 at home to Brentford, and then. To lose four 0 at your place, it was and that performance as well. It was a it was a very Steven Gerrard performance about it, you know. T- from where we were back then, it 
this game just gives us a, a real good marker to put down and kind of say that this is this is where Villa are now. You know, it's the two form sides in the league, barring barring Man City and uh, and Arsenal, of course. It's it's us two. We're we're the we're the next big boys, if you like, at the minute. And I think as a neutral as well, it's just going to be a fantastic game to watch. And I think it's, you've got a lot more to lose than we have, in my opinion, if that makes sense. Interesting point. Um, Kev, what what have you made uh, of Newcastle's um, season so far, but certainly their uh, resurgence in form um, in the last few weeks? And, uh, you know, how does that impact on you guys from your perspective, going into the game on Saturday? Well, first things first, I'm, I'm really nervous about the game. Um, really nervous about the game. I am, I think because it means so much for, for where we are. It's a, it's a massive litmus, te- litmus test for us. You know, when you when you were struggling to score for a bit, weren't you? You know, Connor went back. Um, yeah. And that sort of similar sort of time to our bad spell, you know, we had a good spell when Emery came on board and we lost two. I mean, we lost three on the bounce. Admittedly, the one was to Man City and one was to Arsenal. You know, we were massively in both those games, and we had a we had a disappointing loss to Leicester at home when we just were error strewn. Uh, other than that, you know, we've been really good in memory, but that coincided, I think, with your bad run of form. We've subsequently bounced back from that, as we said. You know, no no loss in seven. You know, won six of those games, and you've clearly been in fantastic. I keep watching your results. You know, a few weeks ago, thinking, oh, we can catch Newcastle. You know, if we keep this up, and you just keep winning and winning and winning. And it might be a bit of a grand statement, but I think this is our biggest game of the season for me. Um, because beating Chelsea away, Chelsea at the moment, like I think the four of us and a couple of the guys from the chat have beat Chelsea at the moment, you know. <laughs> and you know, it's um, the team they used to be, you know. And, um, you know, we've for us where we are, we've, we've put ourselves... We, I, I'm almost likening it to a team qualifying for like a, a national team qualifying for a major tournament. So well and good being good in the qualification. You know, England are great at that, aren't they? Win 10 out of 10. But this is the business end now. And if Villa really do want to knock, knock through that door rather than knock on the door this season and kick on an extra year or two ahead of schedule, like Newcastle getting Champions League this season would be the same sort of thing in terms of the kind of players you can bring in and the profile of the club. We've got to be taking opportunities, I think, in games like this. It won't define our season because we've got plenty of chances against Brentfords and Brightons and Liverpools. But... You are the team right now that, that are, I think, as, as to be as feared as anyone outside of um, out of Arsenal and and City. I don't really, I won't really fear fearing playing Liverpool. I'm not, I'm not really fearing playing. Wouldn't, wouldn't fear playing Man United, Brighton maybe, but Newcastle. You got great front two. You got some really, really, really good players. The other thing with Newcastle for me as as a, as a Villa fan is. Like I'm watching some of these players and I'm thinking, what, what, what Willock and Longstaff and Joe Linton, the player Sharm and Ashar playing years ago when we, we used to always beat you. Yeah. And all of a sudden now these players have turned into Champions League level qualification players. And I mean, throw it back to you. What you know, what's happened to the likes of a to, to a Willock and a and a Longstaff? How are these players playing at this level of performance week in, week out? Chris, I'll let you take the floor on that. Um, you know, it's a great question from Kevin. So he's, he's quite right in saying we we were down fighting for our lives with the likes of Shaw, Willock, Joe Linton, um, Jake, Jacob uh, Murphy, another one. You know, I'm you know, surprised that yet. Jacob Murphy, Miguel Amiron. What what's been the change in, in your opinion? For me, it's quite simple. Just one man, Eddie Howe. 
yeah. think that 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 is literally it, Kev. I mean, you know, it, it's nice. It's nice that you've come on tonight, Kev, um, to say that you know about about certain players because if you believe a lot of um, you know what what media outlets and everyone are saying that you know we've we've bought our way to top four potentially. Um, it's nice when you you know you talk about these players that we we've had um, under the likes of Bruce and even further back than that, um, and they're now starting to look the real deal. So the likes of Murphy, the likes of Longstaff, the likes of Willich, likes of Shah, and and many more as well. And I think the reason the reason that we're outperforming or the reason that we're playing so well at the minute is purely down to Eddie Howe. Um, I can't understate the job he's done since he's come in. Like he's just been absolutely brilliant. Yes, we've you know we've had a helping hand. We've we've made some really important additions, little touches of quality, the likes of Isaac, the likes of Bruno, the likes of Botman. But a lot of the time. It's these it's these players that were seemingly written off, not just by other people, but by ourselves. You know, the likes yeah. of Miggy Almiron, he's a, he's a prime example, and and Joe Linton. Um, you know, rewind two years ago, and we were all saying, oh, you know, if we get this takeover, we'll get rid of Miggy Almiron, we'll get rid of Joe Linton, and we'll bring in better players. But now, you know, the likes of Joe Linton and Miggy Almiron, especially, um, we're we're looking forward to you know seeing them hopefully playing black and white for a number of years to come. Um, and yeah, for me, th- this the reason that we are where we are, and the reason that our squad is looking so sound at the moment is purely down to Eddie Howe and his coaching staff. They've they've just been they've been brilliant since they come in in day one. And you know we we were devastated. Uh, well, I say devastated. We were. Pete wasn't, but I, I particularly was disappointed when when Emery didn't come to Newcastle because I, yeah. I when we were linked with Emery, I was thinking, great, you know, the, he's the kind of manager that we want. Um, and then when Eddie Howe come in, I was a little bit like, oh, I was a little bit underwhelmed. Um, but literally couldn't ask, couldn't ask for a better manager. And if he carries on the way he's going, he's going to be, you know, mentioned in the in the same breath as the likes of Keegan and Bobby Dobson. There's there's so many similarities as well, I think, with 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 that those yeah. points about Newcastle because if you look at I mean I'm sure Billy will know this as well. Like, you know, if you look at the Villa team's first game of the season, Gerard, on the bench, Watkins, Louise, Mings, Buendia, like some of these players that are now absolute core quality of our team weren't even in the team. You know, so we've got a lot of players that a lot of Villa fans have written off. You know, Douglas Louise used to get pouters of being inconsistent. Watkins, we've discussed. Mings is, you know, I think he's still very sort of seen as very hit and miss a lot by a lot of people now. But in in terms of sort of like, you know, Villa Villa players now, they've really come to the fore and really started to show themselves. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, um, I, I will, I will do, just on a side note, give um, Jacob Murphy his flowers because I yeah. don't think any manager, any manager in this Premier League would have got Jacob Murphy doing what he's doing right now. Uh, we all we we do a we do a show called Squad Games where we look at our squad and look at who who who's going to be shipped out, who's going to be kept for the season. And I think all of us were like, Jacob Murphy's gone. Like, if we can get rid of him, it is only because he's on a big contract that we, that we thought he was going to stay. But Eddie Howe has not only kept him in the squad, but he's actually made him an effective sub. So he was coming on and having an effect, whether it, whether it was just holding the fort and seeing this through to three points in some games, to now starting games and having an effect on the pitch from the beginning of the match. And I've, I fully expect him to start on Saturday. Uh, and he's almost like a traditional old school 90s winger. He'll, do, he'll just run at his man and whip the ball into the box. I, I always liken him to the, the uh, Newcastle's Keith Gillespie, for example, in the 90s, or or the, the Man United's Andre Kinchelskis. The just classic, just run down the wing, whip it in. 
uh, and he's kept it really simple, but he's become so effective. And to have someone like him that's come in, and, and he's only really started in the last few weeks, but come in at a crucial time and helped us to win the games that he's won, that could potentially get not just the club or the players, but himself, Champions League football. When he was playing at Sheffield Wednesday, mid middle of the table in the Championship a couple of, I think two or three years ago, is just testimony to what what Chris has said about the, the job that Eddie Howe's done. And, and, it, it, and it's a great point, and you've segued onto it nicely, is that, you know, you talked about Unai Emery doing exactly the same, making the difference to a number of your players that are now core to what you guys are, are doing in the squad. So um, it, it's, a, it's a really, really interesting one. Um, I want to get to some questions Um but I, 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 the, the, there's a couple of there's a couple of players that I wanted to talk about from a Villa perspective because they they do have a link with, with Newcastle and and first of all I was interested to see on Saturday when you played Forest at home that um, that Luca Dean wasn't in the starting lineup he was on the bench and that you had uh, Moreno who's come in and, and and done a really good job you know you guys paid twenty five million for him and, and we were in for him. Last January, we we genuinely wanted him. You know how like, how is he getting on? And, and like you know, it, I, I'm, I'll be honest, I'm surprised. I'm surprised he's not playing regular and featured in your team. But is there a reason for that? And I don't know whether you you can elaborate on that, boys. I don't know who wants to take the take the reins with that one. I I, I think with Luca Dean, it's it's just been all a little bit underwhelming. I think under Gerard, he was. Probably the the Luca Dean style was probably a perfect fit for Gerard's system. You know, he, he likes to attack, he likes to get forward, he likes to put crosses in. That's what Steven Gerrard's system was bomb the fullbacks on. Under Emery, he he liked his left back going forward and he likes his right back kind of sitting back, which we see with Ashley Young. But it's there's not really been that much of a difference between Matt Target and Luca Dean. There, it's it just looks like he hasn't really properly settled. Maybe I, I don't know if that's probably the right term to use. Um, it just it just hasn't really worked out how we would have all liked for it to have worked out. And Moreno's come in; he was thrown in at the deep end with his with his. Debut. I can't remember who it was against off the top of my head, but Luca Dean started 10, 15 minutes into the game, goes off with an injury. Luckily, we brought in Alex Moreno just at the right time and he struggled a little bit, but he's landed on his feet. He's he's just been fantastic. Defensively, he can be a little bit questionable at times, but going forward, he puts a great delivery and he's quick as well. So he can get round the defender where he didn't really have that with Luke Dean or Matt Target. Um, and he's just, he's just been fantastic for us. I don't know what you think, Kev, um, but I, I, I absolutely love him, to be honest with you. I think I think for 14 million, what it, whatever it was, it's been in, in this kind of like, you know, era of Premier League football. I think it's been a bit of a steal. Um <laughs> Dinia, for me, a lot of Villa fans were saying this, and it's true, is you couldn't really see the difference between Dinia and Target. You sell Target to, to get an upgrade. Uh, it's another one that Gerard did. Obviously, Chitino is massively flattered to deceive and has been largely a disappointment, particularly this season uh, when he's played. Uh, Dinia's another one. You know, he, he's not 
he's not in the team on merit, even though he's fit right now. And I think underwhelms the right word. We haven't seen that, you know, that Everton level quality that he was producing for a period of time when he was almost a shoe in for your fantasy team, Luca Dina, left back, you know, when Everton were doing okay. Um, he's played for Barcelona, he's played for Roma, he's played for some big teams. And, you know, he's still, I think he's still just this side of 30. And yet we've not seen, we've not seen that level of performance. He's, he seems like he's lacking a bit of pace. He's, he's not, his delivery's not been fantastic. And, I think he's also been found out a lot defensively. So yeah, he's um he's been someone that is he's not in the team on on merit at the moment. No, it's um, it, it, like I said, it, it was a a real interesting one for me. But it's great to get your perspective and and I have seen a little bit of Marino and, and he does look a he does look a, a good player. So more than more than capable of of, of keeping Luca Dean out of the team. Were you, were you surprised about that, Chris? Seeing Luca Dean. Like on the bench and, and not really getting a sniff at, at, at Villa uh, and considering their upturning form. Yeah, I mean, when I, whenever I think of Luca Dean, obviously I know he, he was playing for Everton, so obviously I saw quite a lot of him and I know that we really wanted him, but I'm pretty sure we really wanted him. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was disappointing when you know when he made the move to Villa because I think with Luca Dean, he, he offers you that set piece danger as well. Um, so having you know someone who's capable of you know hitting a free kicking from 20 25 yards it's always it's always a big plus but yeah i mean i i, I knew off Moreno. um i'm trying to think what club in la liga he played for was it was it saucy well betis Oh, was it Betis? Yeah, I, and and he, and he's been in and around the fringes of the spanish squad in the past i think um but yeah you know i i was surprised that luca dean had been put in um as well as substitute or his understudy because I just automatically assumed that Luca Dean would be first choice left back, especially given, you know, the, the caps he's, he's got for France. Um, he, I think it was, was it world cup, world cup 2018? He was quite prominent in that squad, wasn't he? I think. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, you know, two, two good options, two, two good options for Villa. Um, and to be fair, I think we take either of them, wouldn't we Pete at this moment? Yeah, um, well, we, I would I would say that that's something that we're that we're certainly looking at into the summer, and I know we've yeah. we've talked about it on many of our shows, looking at that specialist coming in uh, in the summer. So it's it's something to, to, it's something to consider, and and ultimately, what they offer you guys at Villa at the moment is what we want in our team: someone that yeah. can get up and down, someone that's got that delivery set piece ability, um, and, and and can contribute to the overlap of the left-hand side. Um, you may well see it on Saturday that Byrne doesn't tend to get forward as much. He is more of a defensive-minded uh, and very good at it, by the way, uh, um, uh, full-back. But if we're going to potentially play Champions League football, we need someone that can do a bit of both. Um, and that's going to be our next step. Um, but yeah, uh, I think it's definitely something that we're that we're looking at in terms of what you've got, and you've got two players that ultimately are doing that at the moment, which is which is um, a good thing to have, uh, particularly if, we, if you're aiming for European football. Um, but again, we, we, we've, um, we're at that point where I I can see that there's lots of questions in the chat, so um, I don't know if there's a couple of questions we want to throw to these guys. I say a couple of questions; it's like twenty five in there. Um, already, uh, so I don't know if you want to shoot through some questions um, for the um, uh, for the boys, Chris. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Oh, do sorry, go on, to, Pete. I was going to say, do you want to start um, actually um, just by 
Say the huge thanks to, to Jordy Mick uh, with his two-pound contribution. Uh, he said, 100% believe we will, we will make the Champions League. Um, look, I think me and Chris are inclined to agree with you on that one. That, that's for sure. And a huge thank you to um, the Lesonator, new member to the channel. Welcome to the channel. Um, I'm not sure if um, Jordy Mick had something to, involved in that or, or whether it was something to do with Drew. I saw something going off, uh, me and Chris saw something going off in the chat. So just confirm yeah. that, um, whether it was supporting Drew in some way, Jordy Mick, or whether it was Lesonator, let us know. Uh, but welcome, Lesonator, as a member to the to the uh, channel. Welcome to the Loaded Family. Um, sorry, Chris. Uh, no, 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 you're all right, mate. You know where you want to start with some of these questions. Some great No, there's some belter ones, isn't there? Um, let's, let's start from the top. So Derek Platten asks, villains, be honest. What did you honestly think at the time of Emily's appointment? Uh, uh, delighted I was. Delighted. Yeah. Um, you know, the managers we were linked with, you know, there was a kind of that whole like, you know, we're going to get Pochettino, are we? Um, and there was a few people out there, but I think with the, with his pedigree, I think we were all a little bit based on what 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 the narrative was around his time at Arsenal. Although the more I've looked into that, the more actually you can realise. I think he's got a better points per game than than Arteta and, and Wenger in his first fifty games as Arsenal manager. And up until this season, I think he'll have the best. Um, his time at Arsenal was the best points they would have got in a season. But I just think the fact he's won four Europa Leagues, you know, and so taking teams that are probably seen as slightly unfashionable, which, you know, as much as it pains me to say, maybe Villa are, compared to, you know, the, some of the big Manchester teams or London teams, then, um, and he's taken, you know, to take Se to Sevilla to, to three Europa Leagues, to take Villarreal, who'd never really done anything, really, to, to win the Europa League. Champions League semi-final, um, and he's obviously clearly got, you know, a good reputation. He's, he's a seemingly a great bloke. He's got a style of football. So I was I was really, really pleased to, to, to get someone of his ilk. And it, I think it said a lot about what, where our owners wanted to take us, the fact that they got someone of his pedigree. Definitely. Yeah. I absolutely agree. I was, I was a little bit disappointed that we didn't get someone like Botticino over the line. Um, but it feels like we we shooted for the stars and we uh, we sh we went for the moon and we landed in the stars, should I say? And <laughs> I mean, it, it's the appointment speaks for itself. You know, his his European pedigree spoke for itself, and I was delighted, and I still am delighted, <laughs> and hopefully that continues for a very very long time. Fair play. Do you, Tom Dixon asked you both, uh, is maybe it's too early to say, but is Unai Emery the best manager you've had at Villa? I would I'd say in my lifetime, or since I've properly been been watching Villa. I mean I'm only 21, so I've not no, been he's a baby. Um, yeah, I know exactly. I, I best <laughs> I had was Martin O'Neill before this. <laughs> I was gonna say <laughs> John Carew and uh, absolutely talking about my childhood there, Pete. <laughs> um so yes, certainly in my lifetime, and I mean the results, like I say, speaking for themselves. So I don't know whether Kevin will maybe say someone a bit different. Um, I think it's early days, obviously. You know, he's only been here since November. Um, the signs so far are amazing. I think, look, I remember slightly further back, you know, going back to um, sort of the 1920s jokes we had. No, um, we had, um, you know, we had, we had Big Ron, 
in the 90s. Um, you know, Brian, we had a bit of success with Brian Little. Um, you know, we, we have won the European Cup, you know, with, um, albeit our uh, our manager left at quarterfinal stage. So we had, you know, a caretaker manager for that. But Ron Saunders was a great manager for us. But I think in terms of pure ability as a coach, I think a lot of Villa fans would say this is probably the, the, the best level of coach we've brought in. In, in, into the club in terms of Emery. Yeah, I think the profile and his standing in the game, I just think his ability, how meticulous he is. Um, you know, he, he's, he's famed for like, you know, lengthy meetings and in-depth analysis and just having an unbelievable work rate. So, yeah, I think I think hopefully time will tell um, that he is definitely irrefutably the best we've had. Well, Pete, I know you love it. You love a segue. And I think this question will segue us nicely into the next section. Um Michael Pomar asks Billy and Kevin, do you expect to be on the front foot for this game, considering you're at home, or do you expect a counter-attacking style? The, the way we play, this is one worry I've got, I've got against Newcastle. You you press you press really well, don't you? Yeah, We do. And, we do. Well, we do on Dirty Howe. Yeah, and, and, and we play out from the back. We're getting better at it. But I mean, particularly against uh, Leicester, for example, I mean, it was I think it was three mistakes against Leicester that cost us all from, from the press. So I'm a bit worried about that. Normally we, we, we invite teams to come at us and then we, we, we break the press and then go for it. There's obviously more onus on us at, at home to, to do it, but I expect Newcastle to go for it for a bit. So I actually think, I don't, I don't know really. I don't think we'll be on the front foot. I think it'll be, um, I think it'll probably be a bit more like a basketball game in my opinion. I think you'll be going for seizing the opportunity to try and cement your top four spot. And um, I think that'll hopefully open up some spaces, but um but your press, it, that's one of the things that's been worrying me, really, the most. If you go back to Wednesday <clears throat> against uh, West Ham, when Murphy nicks the ball off of Gwerd and straight after half-time and, yeah. and, gives, and gives Wilson with a goal, it's it's that. That's what we're really, really good at. Chris, you'll probably, you, you, I know you'll agree with that, is yeah. that our press, and it's consistent. I've said it to every, every kind of fan that's come on away days uh, in the last number of weeks, and... And some of them don't necessarily believe it, but then they see it in the games and they go, okay, fair enough. It's not just periodic. It's not just 10 minutes off, 10 minutes on. It's for, it's for 90 minutes that we'll press constantly. And it's we'll in packs to... as well, isn't it, Pete? It, it's, it's in packs. Yeah. 100%, 100%. Two, three, four men pressing the ball high. And it's for 90 minutes. There's a reason why we're one of the fittest teams in the Premier League, if not the fittest team in the Premier League, because we just we just continue to do it. So the fact that you're saying that, Kev, fills me with a little bit more with confidence that we can potentially create a little bit of, of madness in that back line. Um, and someone asked me the question earlier on in the show, I haven't answered it yet, but uh, about Tyrone Mings, and he does gift you a chance. I don't know if you'd agree with that. I know Billy's a big fan. I know Billy sticks up for, for Mings, but we'll, we'll, I'm sure we'll talk about that in a second. So, um, yeah, that kind of works quite nicely. As you said, Chris, and we've segued quite nicely tonight. Uh, we've had a couple of questions, but look, I think it's about time to kind of get into the game and talk about that in a little bit of detail. And look, one way we always do this is by looking at some stats.
Evening, lads. Like magic, he appears. Welcome, Keith, to the channel. Double O Stato, Splinter, Doctor Doom. Well, there's many a names he's been given. Blow Felts. Sorry, Doctor No, Doctor No, Blow Felts. Just keep on adding Bond villains to it, you know. <laughs> all the Bond, all the Bond, Bond villains you can think of. People put them in the chat. Uh, all the Bond villains you can think of. They're, they are Keith's nicknames. But welcome in. Uh, as always, Keith, and look, um, as we built uh, another massive game, probably one of the biggest in, in recent uh, in recent games. Um, what stats you got for us this week? Loads of stats for this one. Um, <clears throat> some head-to-head, some figures on the players, um, manager stats, and some general stats. Um, <clears throat> first of all, the head-to-head, the overall record in the Premier League since 93-94 against Aston Villa in the Premier League. Newcastle have played them 51 times, um, have a slight advantage with 24 wins against Villa, 16 draws and 11 defeats. Although the record at Villa Park is much better than the record at St. James, I believe in St. James's Villa have only won twice against Newcastle. The record at Villa Park against Aston Villa played 25, nine draws, sorry, nine wins, eight draws and eight defeats. So almost right down the middle, almost there in terms of the points, the point of the stats there. Uh, Newcastle have got a better offensive record in this uh, fixture. Uh, 71 goals compared to 47 goals for Aston Villa. Newcastle have also got a better defensive record as well against Villa in this fixture. 19 clean sheets to 13 for uh, Aston Villa. Moving on to the players. Callum Wilson, three goals in eight games against Aston Villa. Um, Wanted to focus a little bit about Alexander Izak as well. Um, He scored in Newcastle's past three away matches. Um, He scored four goals in total in those games. Only Peter Beardsley um, has scored in four consecutive away appearances in the Premier League for Newcastle. Um, and that was in December um, 93, in the 93-94 season, a season in which Newcastle finished third. Fingers crossed there's another Roman here in Alexander Isaac Nets again on uh, Saturday. Um, Ollie Watkins, I wanted to speak about Ollie Watkins because he's scored nine. And he's um, passed 11 appearances and nine goals um, against 12 Premier League um, games, different Premier League games this season overall. Only three other players for Aston Villa um, also have matched that or gone a bit better for Aston Villa in the Premier League. Uh, Christian Benteke, uh, that was in 2012-13 in 15 games. Juan Pablo Angel. Uh, he wow. did that in 13 games. There's a blast for the past, Peter. Uh, yeah. Pete, we all remember we all remember him playing in the MLS as well, but New York as well. Um, in 2003-2004, um, Juan Pablo Angel set that record. Dwight York as well, legend of the Premier League. Um, he did that twice as well. 96-97, uh, he got in 13 games and in 95 95- 96 and 14 games had scored in more games. Um, but uh, Ollie Watkins, he's had a vein of form here for Aston Villa this season, certainly flourishing under the new manager, um, Unai Emery. Um, and moving on to the managers, 
Eddie, ha- oh, his managerial record against Aston Villa, uh, he's managed seven games. Again, weighted with his Bournemouth days, he's won four, he's drawn three, and he's lost. Uh, sorry, he's drawn zero and he's lost three. Um, Unai Emery, he's got an undefeated record against uh, Newcastle. He's managed three games and he's won all three when he was Arsenal manager. Um, View general stats to round off here. Um, Newcastle's 1-0 win against Aston Villa last season in February and their 4-0 win in October were their only wins against Aston Villa in seven games, two wins, two draws and three defeats. Um, Newcastle uh, as well are looking for their first Premier League double against Aston Villa since the 2013-14 season when they were managed by Alan Pardew um, and when they won 1-0 um, at St. James's Park and won 2-1 away to Aston Villa at Villa Park. However, Newcastle haven't won a game in their last six games at Villa Park. Um, they've played six, they've won none, they've drawn three and they've lost three. And that rounds off the stats for tonight. Excellent stats as always, Keith. Um, always a pleasure to have you on uh, to throw those stats this way. Um, yeah, some some stats that are quite down the middle actually, um, which which tells you uh, the battle um, that's been whenever we played Villa over the years and you know, the thoughts of Dwight York and Juan Pablo Angel. Uh, Billy wasn't even alive, I don't think, to even see these, <laughs> some of these players. He's only 21. So, I remember um, Juan Pablo. <laughs> <laughs> vividly. Vividly. Yeah, very vividly. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, we're all old, guys. We're all old. Uh, Billy's just living in, in, in a young man's world. But, uh, yeah, no, great stats as always, Keith. Uh, and brilliant to, to kind of throw them this way. And, uh, again, we always say stats are there to to be broken in one way or another. And um, one other stat, actually, and I think Daz put it in our loaded chat um, earlier on today. Um, that's been doing the rounds, and actually, we've got Miggy Amiron that's on eleven goals. We've got Callum Wilson on ten, but we've also got Alexander Isak on eight. Um, and if Alexander Isak gets two more goals between now and the end of the season, it'd be the first time ever. Uh, I think in the Premier League history, that would have had three players <laughs> double figures in a season. Um, so that, uh, I, I, I don't know if you're aware of that, Keith. Um, Daz wanted me to bring that your way tonight because I, he wasn't sure if you were aware of that. But uh, that, that's a really, really interesting stat. Absolutely. You had Shearer, you, you had the Shearer and you had, um, you had Shearer and you had Ferdinand back in 97, 98. Um, the sorry, 96, 97, but I think as well, I'm just trying to think of the early 2000s with Sir Bobby Robson and, you know, back then, because I can remember there were seasons when Robert hit a good patch and Solano hit a good patch. And I think they were sort of like in the, the, the sort of 12, 13 mark, as well as obviously Shearer at the same time. So I'm thinking maybe 2002, 2003, maybe, but, um, no, certainly the last time I think we had players who were sort of over the, the 10 mark were was maybe Rondon and uh, Perez, 12 and 13. And that was around about 19, 20 and Rafa's last season. 
It was. It was Rafa's last season. Yeah. Um, I think Rondon and Perez had a massive purple patch to the back end of the season. Um, and was scoring. Yeah, he always used to. He always used to get hot from sort of like sort of January, February to the end of the season, didn't he? <laughs> that, that was how Rafa built his teams. He built his teams to be a slow burner over the course of the season. So the back end of the season, they were kicking to into top form. Um, so yeah. Going to be an interesting one. And look, let, let's look at the game now. Um, and always, we always throw up the tactics board. And uh, boys, I, I didn't get your, I didn't um, kind of get your predictions as such. Hope you can see that on the screen. But I've gone with pretty much the team that you guys um, had against uh, Forest at the weekend. And the only change I've made is because Leon Bailey did go off after 28 minutes um, with a hamstring complaint. So I just, I assume, correct me if I'm wrong, boys, uh, Billy and Kev, that he's not likely to play. So I've changed him with Traore, who come in against Leicester and, and scored. He did the same again. Our uh, ex-Newcastle player, Shelby, gave you the gift of the gods with a pass in the box that he scored from on Saturday as well. Does that team look about right in, in the setup of the team? Does that look about right? I'd say that's bang on, mate, to be honest with you. Yeah, I agree. I, th- I think I think the personnel. I mean, there might be slight tweaks in terms of you know the formation, whatever. But um, I think I think the personnel will be absolutely like that. Yeah. Um, I've, I've put Kamara on the bench. Is he still injured at the moment? Yeah, he's still out. Yeah, I don't think exactly so. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, and um, the other well, the other player that I didn't mention as well. Obviously, it got with Young as right back. Um, Matty Cash is he still injured? Yeah. Right, still okay. out as well. I think, I, think, I think Cash, Kamara, um, maybe Coutinho are all maybe another couple of weeks away, they've said. So I think, you know, we'll get an update, obviously, in the presser uh, this week, but I don't expect them to be back at all for, for this game against you, you guys. Okay, so that's the team that's kind of in place right now um, with regards to Villa. We always come to, to Villa first. From your perspective, um, guys, um, um, I, I, Kev, we'll start with you. You know, Looking at your team, looking at the way we've set up with Newcastle, this is my opinion. We'll get um, Chris and Keith's opinion on the potential lineup of Newcastle. But the formation is is set. Where do you see Villa um, uh, doing the business on Saturday potentially, and where do you think uh, Villa will kind of you know uh, cause problems for Newcastle? I mean, it's a good question, really. Um, I think it does depend how well we can break your press. That that would be if we can do that. Moreno's had a lot of joy linking up. Uh, he's linked him at times really well with Ramsey, so maybe Ramsey might, might be on the other side potentially. Um, and Watkins as well. They've, they've seemed to sort of come out really well and, and be. You know, we've had a lot of fast starts actually at Villa Park. Other than the last game, a lot of teams we've beaten is because we've scored quite early on. Yeah. So um, you know, usually you mentioned obviously Young there. Young is is more of the sitter in terms of the fullbacks, and Moreno's the one bombing on. We've also had a lot of joy games recently with. Um, you know, uh, with Louise and, and Kamara, or you know, McGinn's been in great form lately as well. So I think that midfield battle is going to be absolutely key. Um, you know, whether you know it's going to be um, Louise and McGinn coming out on top, or whether it, you know, will be Willick, like Longstaff, and, and Bruno. Um, so that's you know, and I think I think Watkins right now, the form he's in, he gets half a chance, he's feeling really confident. You know, he missed quite an easy chance in the last game and he didn't seem to phase him again. And when he you know, an audacious chip at the end to sort of put the seal on the forest win. So that, that's what I would think anyway. 
uh, uh, Billy, I'll, I'll come to you from from your from your perspective. You know, uh, Kev's just talked about the the midfield being a, um, a bit of a battle there. Obviously, two against three in that middle of the park is that is that potentially a concern for you? Because even when teams match up against us, it is it is normally a battle that we that we do win. What are your thoughts about that? Yeah, I mean, your midfield is just works fantastically together it it's a it's a fantastic midfield and i think a lot of the time when we're defending anyway anyway we'll probably see ramsey drop into midfield or maybe drop into the back line and i think it's just going to be really tight and compact that's that's one thing that we've went since emery's come in we've just been really tight and compact um defensively Again, like the stats that we mentioned earlier, we've we've only conceded one um, one in play goal um, in the past seven. So, um, yeah, defensively we're all right, and when you're pressing and attacking us, sorry, um, off for, for us off the ball, I'm struggling here. <laughs> um, for us off the ball, I think it'll either be Ramsey will join the midfield, kind of make a midfield three. When Deer might drop back into the defense. Yeah. It's since Emery's come in, it's been a little bit, it's hard to predict these things because Emery's the, just a master tactician. You don't really know what to, what to kind of expect with him. Or certainly myself as, as a fan, I'm obviously not the tactical mastermind he is. So I don't really know how we're going to, to combat this. I can only speak on past experiences. And either Ramsey dropping into the midfield to make it a level playing field, 3v3, or Ramsey might drop in, um, drop into defence and just keep a tight, compact line. Um, but yeah, out, off, when we've got the ball, like Kevin said, it's going to be a case of trying to break your press and getting Buendia in behind in spaces, McGinn as well in behind in spaces, and, and Ramsey as well, of course. And Hopefully, one of your midfielders can pass the ball to Traore for a first-time finish for the third <laughs> game in a row. <laughs> uh, I, I really, I, I really well hope. Um, we've already, we've already given gifts away recently. We, we should have had a couple of more clean sheets than we did have. We had the Forest game where Botman unfortunately passed the ball straight to Dennis, and he scored uh, for Forest. We had. Um, oh, it was another game. It's it's gone beyond me now. Well, it was Wolves where Trippier gifted the equaliser at St James's Park, where he tried to clear the ball but cleared it straight into his path, and he tapped it into an empty net. So, another one like that, fantastic. Yeah, <laughs> I think I think uh, Chris Keith, you'll probably agree with this. We've, we've had our fill of gifting teams goals now for the season. Uh, I don't think it's going to happen again, but. I have to I have to give a shout out to PDK because he did tag me in something um, uh, earlier on today in the build up to away days, and he, he he sent me some images. I've not got them to put on the screen right now, but um, what it was, he, he was like, um, basically, make sure you get them, uh, make sure you get their formation right tonight. Um, a six-two-two, and he's given me four different um, images: one from the Chelsea game, or sorry, two from the Chelsea game. And two from the Bournemouth game, and it has your team literally set up like this. It's kind of like a six in here, and then a two, and then a two up front. And uh, you know, would you say you're you're, you're a defensively minded team in terms of you kind of sit back and, and wait for teams to break you down? Because looking from the images here, and bearing in mind it is only two games, 
that it does look like, you know, at times when you're off the board, that you literally sit in how I've just put it on the screen as a as a kind of a six, a six two two. Um, and you just say, look, break us down. It, w- would that be right in saying, or is it, would you say that was quite harsh? I, I think that's quite harsh, personally. Um, okay. I think every team, when when defending, when you've got the lead and teams are, are pressing you, of course you're going to drop back and be a bit more defensively stable at times. Um, and yeah, w- we do do it do do it quite often because we've we've taken the lead as Kevin said early on in games and we've taken the lead quite often I mean we've scored in every single one of Emery's games since he's come in yeah um so of course at times we're going to be defensively strong and there's going to be quite a few of us sat back but I think you'll be quite surprised because that seeing those pictures people just assume that it's six two two that's our formation that's just how we play kind of thing. We just sit back and defend. That's not the case at all. Nah, that's fair enough. And uh, I've had a few people on here say, why is Tony playing for Villa? I do, I do apologise. I will uh, certainly change that. Uh, they, uh, hope you guys uh, and girls feel better now. That's been changed. But, um, I had to ask the question because, to be fair, from the images, it does look a, a certain way. From what PDK and PDK is a big follower of the channel, uh, great, great, great guy. So um, yeah, I had to kind of put that out there and ask you guys the question because again, you watch Vida a lot more than we do, so it was a, a great um, kind of a opinion from that perspective. Right, boys, Chris, come to you first. Mm-hmm. This is the team that I would play against Aston Villa. Um, as you can see, the back five doesn't really change here. Um, uh, we know. The ASM is out, and we'll come into that in a second in terms of the length of time. Uh, we don't believe he's going to be fit um, for the game on Saturday, more likely to be Spurs next weekend. Um, so we've gone for the tried and trusted that we went with um, Brentford. Joe Linton on the left, Willock in the middle, um, Isaac on top. Again, this is what I've gone for, and I believe Murphy deserves, although he did play great against Brentford, and we brought off at half-time, I think he deserves to have another crack at the cherry and start again. But do you have a different opinion on that, Chris? Um, would you change anything? Um, what are your thoughts about how Newcastle will line up on Saturday? Yeah, I mean, to be honest, uh, I, I put in the chat earlier, Pete, in our WhatsApp group, I, I said that um, I thought um, that Gordon would start on the left and Joe Linton would be in the middle, probably in place of Willer. Um, that's not to say it will happen, but that that's I, I I feel like especially after what happened with Anthony Gordon um, in the Brentford game, I feel like Eddie Howe could unleash him and just go right. We'll go and show what you can do then, kind of thing. However, um, you know, as as you know, you've put there. I, I don't. Um, I'm not opposed to that. My only my only thing, which I say most weeks, is I, I much prefer Joe Linton in the middle. Um, whether or not Eddie Howe sees it like that, I don't know. I thought you made a really good point before, Pete, when you were talking about Villa's two in the middle. So that's going to be that's going to be a really interesting battle, and to whether David Luiz and um, John McGinn can you know come up against um, our, our middle three. That's always that's always a big uh, well, it's a big ask, isn't it? It's a big ask for teams who play with three in the middle, let alone teams who play with two in the middle. Um, interesting as well when um, you know the lads were saying that Matty Cash is out because. Um, mm-hmm. That is going to be a, a, a good, a good, 
a good battle, whoever plays there, whether it's Gordon, whether it's Joe Linton, um, that's that's going to be that's going to be a big, that's going to be an interesting test, I think, for Ashley Young, who's who's not getting any younger. I think is Ashley Young thirty eight. Am I right in saying that? Um, yeah, I think he's thirty eight. Nearly thirty eight. I think. Yeah. 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 So you know he's. Uh, a hey, good good player, Ashley Young, and over the years, you know, he's he's been a really good servant for really? Villa and Man United. But um, but yeah, that that'll be a big test for me. I hope Isaac starts, um, because I think this game will really suit Isaac, especially with that high press. Callum Wilson's come back into form, which has been you know really really uh, really pleasing to see. What I would say, Pete, just as maybe a um, maybe a curveball, is there a possibility that we see that four two three one against Villa? Or do you think? Or do you think we will? We will still go with our tried and tested four three three. I'm only asking that, obviously, because of that second half performance against Brentford. Um, it's an interesting. It's an interesting conversation. Um, it's almost kind of this, isn't it? Um, yeah. Yeah. And Longstaff was subbed off at half time, so it's almost. It's almost. You're almost looking at this type of formation. Um, I, I, I personally. And, and I'm adamant on this. I don't believe we'll start this way. I think this is what a lot of Newcastle fans dream of what they would want. They would want Wilson and Isaac to start together. But what we would need in order for that to happen, I think we might see that next season. But what we'd need is someone on the bench of a Wilson or Isaac quality. And this yeah. is going to be interesting yeah, yeah, yeah. in our transfer window. Do we go out and get a third striker? Do we go out and get a Marcus Turan to come in and play as a third fiddle to these boys? And we say, right, okay, we're going to play with effectively two strikers, either like this or like this. Um, And we've got then a a powerhouse, someone of quality to come on and replace one of these two boys later on in the game. At this moment in time, I personally wouldn't. And the reason why is because what's been so effective with Newcastle United at the moment is the ability to bring players off the bench of equal quality and um, to keep the levels up when we need it. So, for example, at half-time, Longstaff comes off, Murphy comes off. But what you get is, is Gordon comes on, Wilson comes on for these, and you've got the formation that I've just had up a second ago um, that you mentioned, Chris, and we still had the quality that come off the bench. It was either equal or better, and we just blitzed. We we blitzed in about 15 minutes. We blitzed Brentford and won the game in that period of time. Um, We we need that off the bench. I want to be able to look at the bench, and Eddie Howe wants to be able to look at the bench. You, Keith, will want to be able to look at the bench and go, right, who can change the game for us? Willock can change the game. Wilson can change the game. He's hungry. He's a tiger at the moment. He wants to score goals. He wants to prove himself. You've got Ellie Anderson that did it against Forrest. Okay, you you want that. There's lots of talk. He's, he's back in full training now. We thought it'd be six weeks. It's not. He's back in full training and talk that he's going to be available. Our top scorer, Miguel Miron, can he come off the bench and affect yeah. the game? He did it against Wolves in his last game before he got injured. That's what you want. You want players that can come off the bench and make a difference. So that's why I wouldn't play it. To be fair, there's a lad called Segs in, in our George's Down South chat that's, um, I think it's Segs. It, uh, I, I'm, correct me if I'm wrong. I think he's been an advocate for that, almost playing our strongest players all at once. And I've kind of said, I would look, I think we'd all love that, but we, we then ruin Watson, then an option off the bench at 60 yeah, minutes. Yeah. They're yeah. tired. What have we got to look for? 
as an as an addition to come off the bench, and, and that's why I wouldn't quite do uh, do that uh, 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 as such. But um, Keith, I'll get your thoughts on that. Would, would you change anything? Look, we put Gordon in there, or, or um, Chris has put the question out there. Would you put Gordon in there, um, or would you would you would you stick with what was kind of the the, the, the formation and the and the lineup against Brentford? It's an interesting idea, certainly putting Gordon in, um, you know, to try and manage the situation, sort of saying, okay, I'm going to give you a chance, sort of go on, go on out there and show us what you can do. But I still like the industry of um, Willock. I think Willock gives you that bit more, you know, pushing forward from midfield. He's just, again, he's coming good again. I'm just going out there, one of me favourites really of the, the last few years really Willick so I just think he gives you that bit more I still think of Gordon as proven himself I like the industry um, I like what he's doing but um, at the minute I would pick Willick over um, Gordon um, I also like the idea as well of what you were saying there as well about uh, Almerin. Um, you know, coming back from the injury, coming on as a sub if we need to change it. I wouldn't start with him, not yet. I don't think he's ready, but I don't think there's any harm in the second half. If you need to, you know, if you've if you've got a lead in a game and you want to add to that lead, you need some fresh legs in the game late on, bring on Almiron. Yeah, definitely. It, it seems like a like for like there. Almiron for Murphy later on in the game. Maybe a Willock or a Joe Linton, probably a Willock. He normally gives everything for 60, 70 minutes and then we bring him off. And then bringing on a Gordon to play on the left, you bring Joe Linton into here and you play that formation late on. So you still got strength in numbers and in ability, but you've got the, still the work rate. You know, we, we've already seen from Gordon, he runs all day, but so does Amiron. Amiron's like a Duracell battery, he just doesn't stop. He's 90, 100 miles an hour for 90 plus minutes. So you know what you're going to get later on in the game from that. So you've got those options and the quality there. Um, I'm going to flip it back really quickly before we, we move on to the next section um, as we come towards the end of the show with regards to um, uh, to Villa. So your boy is back, uh, Diego Carlos. Um, now we know him very well, very well because we were linked with him. I think we had two bids rejected um, in, you know, um, just over a year ago um, in our first January transfer window with the new ownership um, and you guys picked him up in the summer, and you, you got the deal done. Unfortunately, he had a, I think it was in the in Achilles injury quite early on um, in, in his career at Villa, and he's only just kind of back in playing. And I know he's been on the bench a, a few times recently. Um, is there a reason why he's not starting? Because he, he's 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 come with a lot of pedigree and an experienced defender. Um, what, what's the reason why he, he's, he's not started and could he potentially come in on Saturday? I, I, I'm not sure that potentially we'll even see him this season. Um, I mean, the, the level of fitness that he's got, I don't think Villa fans truly know. I think he came back quicker than most do from, it was he ruptured his Achilles. Yeah. That, that's the kind of injury that can end careers, you know, even in, even in this day and age of, you know, mo, the marvels of modern medicine. Um, and clearly, an injury like that, how is he going to respond in terms of, you know, how explosive he'll be, his ability to compete, you know, with Premier League level forwards? Mm. Um, that was the second game we had him for. We had, we had the absolute horror show of losing away at Bournemouth um, when Gerard changed most of the team. And then second game, um, home game against Everton, I think it was, 
right at the end of it, we were winning. And then, um, yeah, he's gone. So I don't expect him to come back in. I think, from what I've heard, Emery's been putting him in the squads because, well, we're light on players. That's why we often have two goalies in the, in the bench. Wow. Um, and that's why our bench, I don't think, is really anywhere near comparable to Newcastle's bench. So that could, again, be a key key factor if, you know, the game's a bit a bit, a bit of a, you know, chess match with, with 30 minutes left. Who, who, who can affect it? Um, but I think Carlos has largely been in there because of just to kind of give him a bit of a boost, really. So I don't really expect him to come in. I think actually, if you've been, if there's a defensive injury, I expect Callum Chambers will be the one that come on. Uh, interesting. Um, then Donker. What it, it, for me? I'm look outside looking in there. He doesn't seem to be a success, or, or has been a success at Villa. Um, do you see him being there long term going into next season? I think he's a he's a decent squad player. I don't see him starting anytime soon. I don't think he's good enough to be a starter anytime soon. And I think the main thing that he's done at Villa since joining is probably cost us the game against Stevenage. <laughs> um, aside from that, he hasn't really done an awful lot, and that that might be slightly harsh on him. He's come in a couple of times and off off the bench. He's come in a couple of times and done okay. He's not not often put a foot wrong. Um, but yeah, I don't see him certainly being a starter. He's not going to be a starter anytime soon, especially once Kamara's back as well, unless we get another injury to, to McGinn or Louise. Um, yeah, whether he'll stay past the summer, I'm not 100% sure. Um, mainly for that reason, mainly because he's a he's a squad player. He may want to go and get himself some some minutes. You know, he's a decent enough player for a bottom of the half, bottom mm. half of the table um, team. So if if Forest stay up, for example, if Everton stay up, there's a lot of teams in the in that bottom nine that any of them could drop. I think you'd do well at one of them, to be honest with you. Yeah. No. I think that's fair, um, definitely. Um, again, uh, it's going to be intriguing, particularly if, if the formation sets up the way it is here. Um, will there be an overload with these boys getting forward here in these wide areas? So it's kind of four, four on four, or will we see um, kind of revert back to um, setting up against each other in a, in a similar fashion? But Ramsey comes in here, um, McGinn and, and Louise up against Longstaff and Bruno. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how it all kind of works out, really. Um, and can we um, can we affect the press? If you boys are here with the ball, um, as we've seen before, we will we will step up and we'll have Joe Linton that will come into this area here, and, and we will try and, and block it off. And we'll expect then these boys to block off the the, the, um, the um, any balls in, in and behind. Uh, these boys will push up. And this is how it will look on the press. Um, you will probably see this numerous times within the game. And we will just press and, uh, and work and try and nick the ball as high up in the pitch. And it, I'm intrigued to see how... how I'm always, I always am in, in every game that we play against every opposition about how teams um, deal with that press because the way we set up it is very, very difficult to, to, to manage. So... Um, uh, it'll be interesting to see, but you, what you have got is a World Cup winning goalkeeper, a very good goalkeeper. Uh, just a quick one from you, boys. You think you'll keep him in the summer? There's been links of him moving elsewhere. Um, 
I'm, I'm hopeful of it, to be honest with you. I think as well, if we get Europe, I think he will definitely stay. He, he said several times as well that he wants to beat Mark Bosnich's clean sheet record and he wants to win a trophy with us and he wants to play in Europe with us. Um, so if we can get into Europe, then I'm very hopeful that he will stay. I think he will stay. If we don't get Europe, then I'm still hopeful of it, to be honest with you, because of... Unai Emery because of his stature because he's a competition he's a he's good at winning cups isn't he um and the trajectory that Villa have been on since him uh since Unai coming in I think that that will keep him at the club as well he he can see the direction that we're going in mm. saying that if he was to leave I can't begrudge him because he's a he's a top top goalkeeper and he deserves to be playing Champions League football uh, same view for you, Kev? Yeah, look, uh, Martinez, uh, for Villa fans, I think, you know, there was around about a time of the World Cup some of his antics when, you know, and he'd been a little bit, not quite the level of form at the start of the season. I think our bad start under Gerard, what certainly wasn't helped by him not being at his best, but post-World Cup, he's been absolutely brilliant. I mean, I think I think he's been as good as he's been for us, really, uh, any, any of his time with us. And I know every every fan likes to believe that every player absolutely loves their club until they end up leaving. You know, we got we've, we've had a few famous ones of those over the years. Of fans, you know, sorry, of players basically saying professing their love for us and then all of a sudden, you know, leaving a few weeks later. Fabian Delph being one, um, but, um, but Martinez, I think, absolutely, absolutely loves it. He said so many times how he his career has gone through the roof since he's come to Villa. You know, not only did he establish himself in the Argentinian team, but he's obviously won the, the World Cup and the Finalissima. So he's now won something of as good as you can get in the game. And he's still, you know, he's still a decent age. So I think he can still give it a year or two, particularly with the, tra- the trajectory of the club right now. Um, I would be surprised. If he did leave, it would be very much on our terms. I think we'd get a really good fee for him. And I think we could... The one criticism I've got of Martinez, I know he's been better lately, is I think Emery would maybe like someone ideally who's a bit better with the ball at their feet, the kind of player he wants in, in goal. And Martinez has definitely improved at that, but I don't think it, it's probably his biggest strength. So I think if he did leave, it would be massively on our terms. No, interesting. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll see how that one unfolds. He has been a very, very good keeper for you guys and, and certainly for Argentina winning the World Cup. Um and that's definitely one to watch. But let, let's face it, if you get European football and it does go, there'll be adequate replacements out there that I think you'll you'll get. Um, so I'm not worried about that. Boys, uh, Chris, Keith, let's go to some questions. And there's a question I want to ask you two um, before, Chris, um, you scour the, the, the starred questions um, that are up, uh, up and running. Um, we have to talk about this. Lots of people in the chat have been talking about it all evening. Uh, but John Norton said, uh, is ASM injured? Uh, press said he is. Then ASM posts a video sprinting. Um, bring back the zebra. Um, and then just to add to that, no, don't bring back the zebra. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but Mark Tom said, um, another set maximum injury, a maverick or a maverick at getting injured, uh, taking weeks to get back to best. Uh, playing two or three decent games, then repeat injured again. Time to sell. Uh, Chris, your thoughts on the Alan Set Maximum situation? Um, 
you know, uh, our, our friend of the channel, Jordan Cronin, put, put the piece out today that he could be out for six weeks. And then literally within the hour of the article coming out, St. Maximin on Instagram puts um, a, a video of him sprinting down the Monaco Pier, um, uh, he literally uh, just under a week after getting the injury. Um, what, what's your thoughts on all of this? Adam, do you know what, Pete? I don't even know what to think about it. I'll be honest. Like It, it always baffles me. Um, we were talking about this earlier on today, weren't we? Saying, you know... I, I understand that players, you know, want to, want to, you know, if, they, if they're injured, they want to go elsewhere and get fit and stuff like that. If he's not injured as the Instagram post suggests, I would question why. Oh, the death <laughs> Sorry, God. <laughs> no, no, it's all right. If he's not injured and he's he's gone elsewhere, for me, I don't know. I, I know sometimes people make exceptions for players or, you know, circumstances and personal circumstances. I, I totally get that. But for me, if I was another player within that squad and I kept seeing someone swanning off, going somewhere else to go and train, and, you know, they're perfectly fine, you know, they're fit and well, I, I'd, I'd kind of be saying, well, you know, I wouldn't mind going to Monaco, or I wouldn't mind going to America, or I wouldn't mind, but I, I'm in here every day training with the rest of the lads. And I don't know. I, I, I mean, you know, we, we, we Eddie Howe... Um, was it Eddie Howe we revealed that Saint Maximin was injured, or did we just see the we did we just see the picture of uh, Saint Maximin getting no. treatments? You know, he in said that... it in his presser, uh, in his presser after the West Ham game, he mentioned that, um, or, or it might have been in the yeah, it was it was a presser after the West Ham game because it was also the preview to the Brentford game, and he mentioned that uh, that he picked up something um, and that he might be out for a, a couple of weeks. That's what yeah, initially. yeah. Yeah, I, I, do you know what? I don't, I don't really know what to say on it. If I'm honest, I yeah. really don't because I, I'm, I'm like he's he's got to be one of the most frustrating players we've ever had. Like on his day, he's absolutely brilliant. You know, is he is he a credit to the team? Yeah, when he when he's on form, he's he's a fantastic player. But I must admit, I do get tired at times of debating or talking about what Saint Maximum's up to. And like you know, it gets to the point for me where you start going, "Is he really worth it?" And I know that sounds really harsh to say, but it always feels like there's a bit of a circus around Saint Maximum. And, do you think? You know, um, do you think Chris and Pete and guys? Do you think he does it for attention almost? Like it seems to be like a repeated pattern. Like he he sort of gets himself into a vein of form as well. Like he, mm. Man United, you know the one of the game around that and the game before, mm-hmm. just like he did last summer, the Man City game at St. James's and then the, the Wolves game, he saves it in the Wolves game. Yeah. And I think he was legitimately injured after that Wolves game because he was struggling yeah. at the end. But mm. it's the Instagram posts, as you say, it's the, the trips away and it's the efforts. And it can become a bit tiresome and wearisome as well. Yeah. And you know what? I like the player. You know, when, he, when he's yeah. on form... He, he can be brilliant. He does things that frustrate you on and off the pitch, but I've enjoyed watching ASM play over the last three, four seasons. But I think it will probably come to a point and, you know, how's the, the ownership that might just, that patience might, might just wear thin and might just say, look, this is his level. He's only going to get here. Where we, you know, where we're going in the Champions League or Europa League, we need to go further and we think need to think next level here. And they might just, he, he might just be making the decision for them. 
incredibly talented player, Keith. I agree with you. Incredibly, incredibly talented player. And on his day, you know, I, I often say to my boys, like, in terms of dribbling, like, I don't think if you asked most Premier League defenders who do not want to play against on top form, running at you at pace, they'd say St. Maximum. Like, he's, he, he can be absolutely brilliant, but the trouble is, you see this two or three times a season, but then you get three or four stories every every season of, oh, he's gone missing, or he's gone here, or he's doing this, or he's doing that. And if he's allowed to do it, that's fine. You know, there's no problem. But will Eddie Howe and the team be looking at it and going, he wants to go again? Are we going to let him? Yeah, go on, let him go. There's certain players who just fall under the radar all the time. You never hear of other players within it, like Bruno. It's, you never it's hear of them. It's almost as well, Pete, as well, sorry, that it's almost getting to a point where we would have really missed them over previous seasons. Like I'm thinking of the Steve Bruce days where he went and you'd, you'd pine for him to be back in the team and that. Yeah. But now yeah. it's a case of we've got Gordon, we've got, as you say, we've got Willick and we've got the other side, we've got AS, we've got Almiron and we've got Murphy who's really stepping up to the plate, probably the player who's stepped up the the player the most this season and it's it's almost like we're not missing him as much him not being in the team it isn't hurting Newcastle as much as it had in previous years yeah. I mean well, what what are your thoughts on it Pete? <laughs> I'm kind of just smiling as we're as we're talking about this because like I being honest I really don't see it as a big deal I really I really don't um, Do you think the fact I, it becomes a thing every time, though, Pete? Like the discussion. I mean, I'm not saying that it's. I'm not saying that I, I'm trying to like you know make a big meal out of it. But no, the no, fan no, base no. as a collective always bring it up. But and, is, yeah, I was about to say it's the it's the, it's oozy, it's the fan base. Like Billy and Ken must be looking, like, listening to us, thinking, "What the hell are these guys going on about?" But this is Newcastle United fan base. I'm sure you guys do it as well at Villa. But we we have been notorious for the 30 years that I've supported this club. We have been notorious of of looking at everything with a fine tooth comb. Every every news article back in the day. Every you know, newspaper article, every uh, comment of a manager before or after the game. Now it's every every tweet, every every Instagram post, everything that we see. We fine tooth comb everything. Can we we jump on assumptions of everything of every player? Well, this is not just at Maxwell, by the way. This is every single player, of every situation. Um, and I really don't see a big deal. Like I, I I put it in the chat earlier, Chris, didn't I? When when you were mentioned about. At maximum, and I, I kind of threw out there. I said, Well, you know, Callum Wilson, when he's injured, he goes back to Bournemouth. You know, when Miguel Miron is injured, he goes back to Paraguay. I think Richie, I think Richie the other year as well, didn't Richie, he? Went away. So there, there is that element of it as well. Are we maybe looking into it a bit too much? Yeah. Um, it, it, when it was really, really interesting is that when, um, when we went to Dubai, uh, during the international break. Um, Alan St. Maximin went to Dubai, but went to a different place to work on his fitness um, for a couple of days, even though the players were given a break. Bruno Gamerez went to the Maldives. Joe Linton went back to Brazil. Nobody said a word about those two. But because Maxi worked with the rest of the squad in Dubai, there were question marks about him. 
Like, why, why, is, why is he not in the same place that everyone else is at? Blah, 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 blah. And it's like, hold on. Bruno's gone to the Maldives. He's not even training. The guy's chilling. He's sipping pina coladas and enjoying his time. Joe Linton, okay, his wife's drew a baby. No problem. He's gone back to Brazil. He's gone back home. Nobody says a word. It's like, we've set maximum. There is, there is a heightened opinion on him. Um, and look, some players... Like, there are some players that like to build their brand with the Helios stuff, with, with his brand. He he puts more stuff out there than any other player because he he has a brand and he wants to build that. And that's that's up to him. Um, but what you can't question is when he puts on that shirt, he gives everything for the club. And you've just got to go back to the Man United game when he sets up the goal for, for Willock and they both stood there. And I made this a point on our preview when they both stood there and he's kissing the badge and he's pointing to the badge and he's telling the Gallagher how much he cares for this club. You cannot discount that. The trips to Monaco, the trips to France, the trips to wherever when he's doing his injuries, fair enough. But you cannot question his commitment to this There's club. one game... Right, and if it might, it might be in a cup because, you know, it might it looks like they never it'll never happen with a promotion. But if there's one game I'd love to see him in, just because he's able to wind it up, the up is a game against Sunderland. Like, can you remember the other year when uh, he did the the sort of he did, he put that clip up online, and it, it was from it was from like the weekend's um, Grammys appearance or something like that, where he's lost in a room or something, yeah. it just wound them up. Even but, if Newcastle were to draw them in a in a in a in a cup like a League Cup or an FA Cup, and ASM was still here and he played, I would just love that <laughs> just to see. Yeah, because he would know which buttons to press. Exactly, and, and it could well be that he's showing people that he's fighting to get back fit. He might be showing people that he's going all out to get back on the pitch because he wants to get back on the pitch for Newcastle. But a lot of fans haven't read it that way. They've just read it like he's trying to rub the club up the wrong way. We've got an article that's saying that he's out for six weeks. He's showing something different. People have seen it as a negative, but he might be showing, actually, I'm fighting to get back in this team because I want to play for Newcastle United. We don't know. The club haven't confirmed it, by the way. Um, I'll be honest with you. Um, uh, uh, and I, to be fair, I had a, had a chat with Jordan, uh, Jordan Crone earlier on today, and I said, in my opinion... If it's a grade two tear, and I've had, I've got a grade two tear in my hamstring on both both legs. You cannot run in the first two weeks of that recovery. There is no way that you're running and sprinting like he is down the Monaco pier yeah. if, you, if you've got a grade two tear. There is no way, in my opinion. So for me, I, I, I'm I'm of the opinion I think he'll be back in the next uh, in in the next two weeks, under two weeks. Um, I'm I'm marking the, the the Spurs game as a potential for his return, just because of what I've seen in that little clip. And that, but that's just my opinion. I could be wrong. But look, uh, someone said in the in the chat why we talk about ASM all the time. It is a talking point. It is a talking point, and we have to talk about it because the fan base make it a talking point. And on Loaded Man and UFC, we have to talk about that stuff. But let's sidestep that for a second. Let's fire a few questions back at the Villa guys. It must be. Bored out of their heads talking about uh, <laughs> Alan Sit Maximin. He's not going to play on Saturday, which is probably uh, music to your ears. Um, but what questions have we got, Chris, for the for the Villa boys? 
Well, Munch has asked this question, and this is this is a cracking question. It'd be interesting to hear the lads' views on this. And Munch says, "I'd like to know from an opposition point of view uh, their thoughts on the dark arts of Newcastle." <laughs> Oh, which is what we which is what, what what we keep getting accused of, lads. If you haven't heard, I'm sure you have. Um, Keith Keith asked uh, a similar question. Um, I'll tie it in with this. Actually, where's where's Keith's question? Because it did star that. Uh, Keith 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 Keith. Uh, what's your thoughts on Mark Lovinson's <laughs> comments about Newcastle's time wasting uh, on the off the ball show? He said that Newcastle are ruining football. What are your thoughts? So in general, lads, like you know, do you? Do you will you be keeping an eye out for that on uh, you know twelve thirty on Saturday, or are you do you see it like we see it as in you know we're not doing anything new that most other clubs will have done at some point during their time playing football or how, how do you see it? I think I think you could be saying the same thing to us because uh, Martin Martin is an absolute master at it. I mean, I, a lot of Villa fans get so frustrated about him picking up like yellow cards when he doesn't need to, but um, he's one of the biggest. Um, you know, you know what houses in, uh, in in football, Martin has is. So, um, yeah, I mean, I've not really paid too much attention to Newcastle doing it. I did see the Lawrenson comments. Um, I tell you what, I, I really started to, it used to really annoy me all this time wasting and stuff going on. And I remember we played, I think it was Watford a couple of seasons back, maybe a season or two back. And I think they beat us 1-0 at home. Dennis scored. And there were players coming on the pitch, then rolling back on the pitch and off the pitch. And everyone was going down at the littlest thing. And... They just dragged it out to a... By the way, those saying in the chat, it's not me with the noise in the background, by the way, just in case, because I kept seeing some of the comments coming in going, Kevin's got YouTube on, or he's got a dog, my dog's asleep, and I've got nothing else on, just to make that clear. Um, but um, And they ground out this 1-0 win at Villa Park. And I remember thinking, why don't we ever do that? Why don't we ever, like, just basically gamesmanship, you know, get, get our levels better at that? So... Um, from my perspective, um, I've not really got an opinion on Newcastle doing it, but I'll tell you what, if you get 1-0 up and then you drag it out to, to the end and we can't get past you, I'm sure I'll probably have a different view in it after that. I, uh, same with me as well. I can only echo what uh, Kev has said. You know, I've I've not really... I hadn't, to be honest with you before, this hadn't really heard um, Mark Lawrenson's comments either. So, you know, it's... Time wasting is something that happens up and down the country at every single level. You know, it's it's part of the game. When it's against you, it's annoying. When it's for you, you don't really think too much of it. Like Kev said, if if you score early on and drag the game out and you're doing it constantly all game, then of course I'm going to have a different opinion. Um, but... No, I, I think all. I think even when Martinez was doing it, I don't think it was. I think people are make, trying to make something of nothing, um, and yeah, just just get on with it. To be honest, yeah, no, I think that's fair, lads. I think that's fair. Now, Kenzie asks a question, and this is this is very much the elephant in the room, and you probably know this question is going to be coming at some point. But Kenzie asks, uh, what did the two Villa lads think of those sob on the time banners? And that guy Villa Watch. Now I don't know if you know Villa Watch, but Villa Watch is uh, he's prime time on uh, on Twitter, and uh, he, he's rubbed he's rubbed up a few Newcastle fans the wrong way, should we say? Um, but firstly, what do you think of the sob on the time banners? And uh, do you, are you aware of Villa Watch? I'm fully aware of Villa Watch, um, unfortunately, <laughs> and I've got him blocked. That's that's all I'm going to say on it. I, <laughs> it it annoys me personally when you see 
Villa fans, if you want to call them that, um, just make these make these accounts to just wind up other fan bases. I, it's something that I really don't like because it it creates a rivalry out of nowhere. All of a sudden, anything that Villa's commented in, you get a lot of Newcastle fans commenting on. Anything Newcastle's commented in, you get a load of Villa fans commenting on. And it just creates something from nothing that is completely unnecessary. Um, in regards to the sob on the time, I think it was just a little bit of fun that should have stayed in 2010 or whatever it was. I don't yeah. think there's any need to... Personally, anyway, I don't think there's any need to bear a grudge um, or anything like that. You know, it's it was a little bit of fun. It's been, it's gone. Let that be in the past. You know, we're, we're two big clubs now. We're both trying to break into the top six, top four, break up the traditional big six. You know, we've both got rich owners, some more, more wealthy than others. Um, but, <laughs> you know, we're both here. We're both serious contenders for, for European football. You know, I don't really get the get the need for such a such a rivalry and such a a, a tense um, a tense atmosphere between the two clubs. To be honest with you, let's not not come together and hold arms and all sing and dance together by any stretch of the imagination. But you know, I, I think this this forced rivalry that the media and things like that come up and. Twitter, Twitter users. Um, I don't think it's really necessary, to be honest with you. That's that's my two pence on it. And also, when you've got people like Gabby Abonlahor as well, as a, as a player, I've got great memories of him scoring against Birmingham City, last-minute winners, stuff like that. But he, he talks a lot of rubbish on TalkSport and... I'm someone that's changed my changed my view of him, particularly when he's when he's saying all sorts of rubbish on Talksport because it's it's national radio and people portray what he's saying as that's every Villa fan's view. Yeah. Personally, anyway, I I completely disagree with that. And you know, he he tried it on with Leeds fans. He tries to wind up Leeds fans. Winds winds them up. All of a sudden, again, you've got this little rivalry thing going on, and it just it just infuriates normal fans like myself. That you know, it's if it wasn't for them creating this this drama, creating this rivalry, it, it's just another game against a team that's in good form. You, you know, do you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah, do, do you know what? It's it's funny you saying that, Billy, because like I still remember the time, and I must admit it hurt because obviously you know we 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 played away, uh, we got beat. I think it was a Damien's phone goal, wasn't it? We got beat, we went mm. down. Yeah. But it's funny, isn't it? Because you, you're absolutely right what you're saying. Whoever made that sign, um, it was obviously like a bit of a last minute thing. It wasn't this, you know, it, the way, I suppose, the way some fans, and me, me included in that, you know, the way some fans act is if like, you know, Aston Villa paid for this thousand, thousands and thousands of pounds sign just to put up and, you know, they unraveled it when, when Newcastle went down. When when you actually take a step back and think it's probably about three, four, five lads who've just gone, oh, let's put this sign, that'll be funny. And then yeah. it's just turned since then. It's just turned into like, oh, Newcastle hate Villa and Villa hate Newcastle. Uh, yeah. And it, it's it, it's funny, isn't it? How, how things, you know. I would just say, I mean, first, I mean, to be honest, it's sort of been and went as a rivalry. It's it's 
for me, I don't, I've never really hated Villa. It, it's one of those where they're that far away almost. It's And the one thing I would say about that Villa watch guy is, is that is there are not enough rivalries in the Midlands for him? Like, you know, is the Birmingham make sense. spicy enough? Is, is the West Brom rivalry not spicy enough? <laughs> you have to, you know, go and pick rivalries with people. I think it's like people stay relevant, though, isn't it? I mean, the thing is with, with Ag Um I, I don't mind him for, for the same reason. I don't, I like it if someone like, you know, if I see a video of someone falling over, like, you know, it's just, it, that's the entertainment factor. You, you haven't got Ag Hall there for his incisive punditry. If he ever says anything which is, you know, it makes some good points, like, you know, the stop clock's right twice a day, isn't it? Um, his angle is he's almost like the Roy Keane angle of being the antagonizer, and that's what's getting him the attention that he's getting right now. Villa Watch, I don't really, by the way, Kev's not Villa Watch, but I've seen that comment, BDK. That's not me. <laughs> um, I don't really know too much about Villa Watch. Uh, mate, I don't know. I've not, I, I just look at it like this every fan base, right? Every fan base, any football game you go to, you're going to be giving the obvious targets to getting it in, in the opposition players. Whether you're coming up against, you know, a Craig Bellamy back in the day or a Jamie Vardy right now, whatever, you're going to get the obvious targets, right? Tyra Mings gets it from every fan base. If he makes one mistake, it's, you know, game over for him. And you're always going to get idiots everywhere. And I, by the way, I thought what Billy said was absolutely brilliant. Like, you know, I totally, totally echo his, his, his words. There's no rivalry for me. I think the only rivalry really is that we're both, both now trying to break into that dynasty of the traditional top six teams. Other than that, you know, I've got really, really fond memories of, you know, being sort of like, you know, uh, uh, you know, 10, 10, 11, 12, 13 years old, watching that Newcastle team under Keegan. And, you know, and what you did and the, the kind of the, the, the swashbuckling style and love Bobby Robson, you know, everything about that kind of the history of the club, you know, what a, what a fantastic stadium, what a, what a tradition. So I just think you're always going to get antagonisers everywhere. And um, I think most Villa fans don't see it, just like we don't really see the Leeds one. Um, the rivalry for me is Birmingham City. That's it. You know, I don't I don't even see Wolves, West Brom, yeah, anyone else. It's, it's Birmingham City for me. And, um, yeah, I, I've got, you know, I've got bigger fish to fry. <laughs> Definitely. I think um, oh, there was a comment in there. I've just missed it. Um, it was, I think it was further up and it was from... Uh, sorry to take this off you, Chris. One second. No, go for it, mate. Um, go for it. Villa1982 said, why can't we, why can't we break the, 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 the so-called top six? Why can't we do it together? Why can't we be the two teams that break Wouldn't that, that be great? And why not throw Brighton into that? Brighton are building something really, really good there as well. Why can't they be the opposition? Um, Billy, I was, I was just going to say that now as well. Like, like football is not just the last 20, 30 years, is it? You know, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm twice Billy's age. You know, um, but, um, but I do remember, like, you know, back in the late eighties, Chelsea were nothing, Man City were nothing. You know, Chelsea had a little bit of history, not much. Man City again, a little bit, not much. You know, the last 20, 30 years, money's coming to football, but. Before that, you know, you had some huge teams out there that were traditionally like great clubs, Newcastle, Aston Villa, you know, even teams like, you know, Sunderland, West Brom, you know, Forest have obviously got their history, you know, Leeds, big, big clubs have, that have got great fan bases that have done something. So just because now this top six has become the top six that it is, absolutely, why not? Look at look at Greece in the Euros. Look at, look at Leicester City, you know, like eight, nine years ago. Why can't it with... It's not just about the money as well. Plenty of teams have had loads of money and credit to Newcastle because, you know, I remember when QPR are the richest owners in the world and, and look at them, you know, look at them now. Newcastle, yeah, I think you, Chris made his point earlier on and I wanted, I, meant, I wanted to mention this, you know, you, you're getting powers for spending loads of money apparently, but, you know, you spent 
loads of money on a striker who who's on loan at Forest now. So he's not like you're not like you bought Chris Wood to change the Premier League. Obviously, Matty Target was a decent transfer fee. He's not done it. it it's been a lot of those traditional players that were in the squad before that have been coached to a brilliant level. Mm. And it's same same with Aston Villa. So absolutely, why can't two teams like Villa and Newcastle do what was happening, you know, 20 odd years ago and be in the top six when you know you were knocking on the Premier League title, you know, door for a bit of time. We did it in the first season in the Premier League, come second to Man United in 92, 93. Yeah. And for years, we were a top six team. And I think that's where the likes of Villa and Newcastle belong. So if we can do it together, fantastic. And I love also giving these bigger teams a bloody nose. It's brilliant. I love watching the Man United and the Chelsea's get beaten. I love it. It's brilliant. Liverpool. Chelsea <laughs> yeah, from the worst yeah. season. Yeah. 1994. They're like eleventh place though. <laughs> when Glenn Hoddle first took over, it's the worst season for Chelsea for a long, long time. Yeah. How how much better would the Premier League be with that? Is that you've got this traditional top six, but how good of a Premier League? I mean, let's let's face it. Lots of people are saying this Premier League season has been fantastic. Apart from apart from it was a while ago. I remember on the Twelfth Man Billy, you were saying you were the team in the middle that wasn't fighting yeah. for anything. You were kind of the the, the team that was really really. We were eleventh. That was yeah. it. We were destined for eleventh forever. Everyone below you <laughs> was fighting for, for eleven weeks. Yeah. yeah, everyone, everyone above you were fighting for Europe. Everyone below you were fighting for relegation. You weren't really doing anything. But how great is it that we've had a Premier League season where? The, the relegations are, uh, the relegation fight is so big but the European fight is just as big you know you're going into Chelsea in 11th spot that could mathematically still get European football which I don't think we've ever really had a genuine contest like this where so many teams are fighting out for the top positions um, and how great would that be in years to come if that became a regular occurrence it wasn't always Chelsea. Arsenal, Tottenham, you know, and, and they and those guys have bad seasons and still get away with it with European football. What we're proving right now, like Leicester did in 2016, although I hate that because I hate Leicester just as much as I hate Sunderland. Um, but uh, being from Leicester, by the way, but um, but if if I, you know, if if we can continue to do that, that if those teams continue to slip up, that there's teams like ours, there's Villa. Brighton that can exploit them. Throw Brentford in there. They've had a great season too. That we can exploit that and continue to grow and develop. So, uh, yeah, all, all good as far as I'm concerned. Uh, sorry, Chris, to uh, run. No, no, not at all, mate. Do you know what? I'm going to take this opportunity um, dead quick before I ask the lads a couple more questions. Big it. massive shout out to Antunami. Uh, great show again, lads. Thanks all. 2 1 to the tune. Fingers crossed, Anne. Thank you very much for your donation and very, very much appreciated. Uh, same with John Elliott. Again, thank you very much, John. Really appreciate it, mate. Let's hope it's an open game with no time waste and we don't want to upset Twisty Face Mark Lovinson again. Again, 2 1 to the tune. Villa to score first. Um, Chris, just before we go on there, there are two, two people in the chat that are new to the chat that we haven't really seen on a regular basis. And I have to say, right. there's been a few new subscribers tonight um, to the channel. So, welcome everyone um, who hasn't um, seen the channel before, hadn't yet subscribed. We aren't, we aren't quite over 100 um, uh, likes yet, so click that thumbs up if you haven't already. We've got 140 plus in the chat still, so click that thumbs up if you haven't already. And if you haven't subscribed, like the likes of uh, potentially John Elliott uh, uh, and uh, Tuna and um, you click that subscribe button. It just takes a second, but it means a massive difference to us as we push on towards 6K. So thank you all for your support so far. Sorry, Chris. Crack on, mate. 
Oh, he's on mute. He's on mute. Why do I do? Why do I do it? I thought every time I go, I'm going to be guzzy. I'm going to be guzzy. I won't put myself on mute. And then I accidentally put myself on mute. Apologies. Um, so we've got a couple more questions um, for the lads, which are really good ones, which I'd like to ask. Um, Michael Pomar asks, uh, Billy, Kevin, would not making Europe now be a big disappointment or are you playing with house money right now? Um, for me personally, um, if if we don't get Europe, of course it'd be disappointing considering the position that we're in, considering the the teams that we've got to play. Um, however, my my main aim at the beginning of the season and since Emery came in was just let's just get into the top half. Next season can be the season that we really push on and try and get into the European places um, with a hopefully a big summer spend as well. Um, so, yeah, I, I've kind of I'm trying to keep my feet on the ground at the minute. I think I did a predictions thing the other day and I saw us finishing above Spurs. <laughs> so, uh, wow. I mean, I think I put us to win most games. Uh, so, yeah, I'm trying to keep my feet on the ground. Um, but, it, of, of course, it will be a disappointment, like I say, considering where we are now, etc. Um, but, yeah, just, just the top half finish is, is all I've wanted. And I'll be as happy as Larry if, if we get that, which it looks like we will. So, fingers crossed. What about you, Kevin? A bit, I'd be, I'd be really disappointed now. I, I, I'm a massive believer in life's about opportunities, sliding door moments, and you know, you you can think about sports. A great example of this, you know, you've got classic examples of teams. I mentioned Greece earlier, and Denmark did it in the Euros. You know, do you want to be that team that gets gets to the final and doesn't win, or you know, you know, look at Spurs that they should have won the league that year, and Leicester won it. They didn't. They they basically bought it up. So I think that, yeah, you know what, start of the season, particularly once we got into the Gerrard era, you know, towards the end of that, you. would just be happy to stay up. Um, but now the game has changed. You know, we, we are since Emery arrived. Since Emery arrived, the game since we've played, since he came on board, we're third in the league behind Man City and Arsenal. Yeah. And that's that's across, you know, we're not looking at a form guard at five, six, five, five games. It's across, what, 16 games now, whatever it is, something like that. So maybe more. So um, I think we've, we've proven ourselves to be a really good team. And he's really good at getting results out of one-off games, proven by his record as a cup manager. So when you've got to play all the teams around you, I think it would be a massively, massive missed opportunity. It wouldn't surprise me if we showed a bit of, you know, the old frailties and, and lost a couple of the games and maybe got picked because you've got, you know, Chelsea quite far back now, but you've got Liverpool close to us, some other good teams. Brighton have got a couple of games in hand. But I would be really disappointed if we didn't take the opportunity now because I do think it could kick us on faster than if we didn't get in Europe. There's a lot of talk from some Villa fans. Do we even want Europe? Are we ready for it? When you've got the, the funds that the manager's got, when you've got the you know the the the, the history of the club, but also all of the good things that are happening around the club generally, the women's team are doing great. We've got you know stadium plans. You know we've just been nominated for one of the grounds for for the Euro bid. There's so much positivity at Villa right now that to get European football would be such a positive injection for 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 the club that I think I think we've got to try and grasp the opportunity wherever it takes. Your, your comment there, Kevin, actually leads me nicely. I've got a couple more questions after this, but your comment yeah. there leads nicely onto this from Michael Pomar, who says, um, not trying to stir the pot here, but I'm a little bit ignorant of where Villa are with FFP. Is there a potential issue there, or is the Grealish fee still helping? Ooh, that's a good question. Yeah, I don't, I don't know the app. 
absolute ins and outs of this, but from everything I've heard and from what reports have been, I don't think it's it's a massive concern like it is with teams such as like an Everton, whatever that have massively overspent. I mean that Grealish that Grealish example, we've got a hundred million quid for Grealish, and we spent most of it on the three players I mentioned earlier. But it's not like we spent loads of money in the summer just gone. We bought I think Coutinho for maybe seventeen million. Carlos was twenty yard. Kamara was a free. Then Duncan maybe thirteen. Bednarik on a low. Moreno we've bought in the January. We've not bought loads of loads of players, and we've we've actually sold sold a few as well. So. I don't see it as being a massive issue by all accounts, particularly some of the players we were linked with in January. You know, we were linked with we were linked with Taramano. You've been linked with him. We were linked with Gendouzi. You know, you're going to be having to pay out some wages in some of these players. So, I mean, I might be naive to that, but I don't think based on also what we've what we've the money we've spent in recent seasons, um, I don't think it's a massive massive issue for us. Gendouzi is a top player, by the way. People on loaning will know that I've talked about him very, very positively. I, I would, yeah. I would, I'd love him. I'd love him to wear the black and white. I've got to be honest with you, yeah. Kev. Uh, I think he's a, a terrific player, playing very, very well at Marseille. But um, yeah, sorry, I'm, I'm going off. On no, time. no, no, mate. Yeah. What, what are we, what are your thoughts, Billy? What do, what do you with the FFP? Yeah, I completely agree. To be honest with you, I'd, again, I'm, I'm not too sure on the ins and outs. Um, However, I don't think it's it's too much of a worry for us. I mean, please correct me if I'm wrong, Kevin, but I believe Christian Perslow, our CEO, was was one of the men behind implementing financial fair play as well. So he's going to know all of the ins and outs. If there's any loopholes um, for whatever reason, ho- hopefully he should know. So I don't think there's there's really too much to worry about on the Villa front anyway. Yeah, yeah. The thing is, our financially wise, we are, you know, I know, like, obviously, you've got extremely, extremely wealthy owners, and obviously, Man City as well, you know, teams like PSG as well. But I mean, how many billions can you have? You know, there's only so many players you can have in your squad. It's like, you know, if, if we're all going to do a weekly shop and I've got five million and you've got six million, we're all right, aren't we? You know, if, if you're talking billions and billions, and our owners, I think third, fourth, fifth richest in the Premier League. So, you know, I know you've got to obviously be within your means and, you know, wages and all that, all the, all the like of that. But um, I don't think money's really an issue for us. I think we're in a, the strongest position we've ever been in. Right, boys, I'm going to ask you uh, two more questions. If I don't get to your questions, by the way, anyone in the chat, I'm really sorry. We've had some fantastic questions tonight, so it's been it's been difficult getting through them all. Um, so I'm just going to do a couple of quick fire questions now. Um so Lisa Mole asks, um, Billy Kevin, which Newcastle player are you most worried about? All of them. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, Eddie Howe. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I think that that probably just sums up everything. To be honest with you, your your league position speaks for itself. Um, I'd probably if I if I have to pick a player. Um, it'd probably be Isak with his with the vein of vein of form that he's picked up recently. Um, yeah, I mean he's just a fantastic player. But I I could pick any one of the eleven. What about you, Kevin? Um, yeah, I mean Bruno's what a player Bruno Gimarish is fantastic. Um, Isak's been absolutely tremendous as well. I mean, I think in, in in spells, I think, you know, he's been a bit hit and miss at times, but I think when he's had moments, even when he first came into the team, from that Liverpool game, I think he had one Bissolet, which was an absolute banger, scored another great goal. 
and I saw him obviously playing for for you know for Sweden as well. And I just you know he's a top player. I also think um, Trippier's just what a great player Trippier is. You know, dead balls and the like. So. Um, and we've mentioned a few. They're the ones, some of them maybe more unsung heroes, but, you know, Almiron absolutely tore us a new one um, when we played you at, uh, at St. James's. Um, I, I just think that you've got threats around the team, really. And by the way, Wilson, I think, has got an underrated striker as well, you know, when Wilson gets gets going. Um, so, yeah, but if I had to pick one, I think it would be Alexander Isak, I think, for me. I think I think it's a striker that... Oh, the one thing I would say is I look at your front two options and I wish we had that as an option for us. We've got... Duran's got all the potential in the world, our young Colombian guy, 19 years old, but he's very raw. I think if we had a player like, you know, if we were linked with Wilson, actually, I think when you you, you got him, but um, if, we had, if we had Watkins and Wilson as a possibility, it just gives you a different dynamic. So uh, I'm probably more scared about what you can do off the bench in terms of what, what you could create. Now I'm going to ask you one more question um, and then I'm going to ask you, a question I'm going to throw in last minute, so apologies for anyone uh, when I've missed your question, but I'm really interested to hear Billy and Kevin's thoughts on this. But this this one from Jonathan Keyes asks, um, Bruce or Gerard? which one was worse? Gerard. <laughs> what? Ooh. No way. Wow. Gerard. Yeah. Gerard. I wasn't expecting I, I, that. We've talked about this a lot on our pod, actually. So Rich, Rich Sutherland and I, like, you know, we sort of mostly host the pod together. And we were big, both big advocates of Gerard based on his playing career, you know, and then what he did at, what he did at, at Rangers. Um, mm. Felt he'd be that fresh, young manager, great ideas. Um, what an absolute winning attitude, personality. Um, it became apparent from everything we've seen that Michael Beale was the brains behind that, that Rangers success. Um, when I saw early interviews when the likes of Martinez were saying that basically it's like we've got two managers in Beale and Gerard, and you start to realise the sort of dynamic, you know, in terms of what that manager was. But... What he did to the what he did to the club. I mean, all accounts, you know, alienating players. You know, Mings has been arguably our best player this season. I think Mings has been an absolute colossus. Yeah. I know he's, I know he gets a lot of lot of, a lot of heat, but the consistency he's shown uh, since Emery's come on board has been unbelievable. Um, he jettisoned him out of the team, dropped him from captaincy, gave it to McGinn. McGinn's not probably like wasn't naturally the best of that initially. You know, got Watkins out of the team. Um, Douglas Louise, who I think should be nailed on for the Brazil squad, um, out of the team. You know, he seemed to alienate loads of players. And by the way, it gets forgotten. Our form was absolutely terrible post-Christmas and then pre-sacking. Now, we were getting beaten by teams. I mean, we couldn't beat Leeds when they had 10 men. We couldn't beat Forest when they couldn't beat anybody. We lost at home to West. West Ham's only away game win of the season. I still think he's Villa uh, back in August when they beat us at Villa Park. Yeah. Um, we lost to Bournemouth on the opening day of the season. Fulham beat us 3-0 away. We were just absolutely abject. And the thing with Bruce, I know Bruce has got his limitations, but, you know, he got us to a playoff final. Admittedly, you know, I think I think he's trying to kind of time run out. But um, Gerard for me, hands down. I think the next club that gets Gerard, I wish I wish them all the luck in the world because they're going to need it. What about you, Billy? Wow. Yeah, I completely agree with everything Kevin should have said, to be wow. honest. Well, my my question at the end to you is, um, my question to the at the end is, I want to know which three teams, in your opinion, are going down this season. Tasty. Thankfully, we're not getting discussed in this, which is no. great. Uh, but wait, who's your three? Hang on, I, I need to get the table up a second. Oh, sorry, I know my three: uh, Southampton, uh, Forest, and Everton. I like that. 
I like that. Yeah. You see, yeah. It, for me, it was, for the longest time anyway, it's been Southampton, Bournemouth and A another. Um, I think of, of late, it would probably have been Leicester, but I, I genuinely believe Dean Smith's arrival could turn them around. Yeah, um, I agree. So I th- I think for me, just looking at it briefly here, it's going to be Southampton, Leeds, mm. and I, I I really don't want to say it because on uh, on the twelfth man, I, I absolutely adore Dave. He's just fantastic. Oh um, no! But I think I'm going to have to say Forrest. You do know it he watches pays, this, by the way. I know, yeah. It pains <laughs> me to say it. And I'm going to have to send him, send him a message after this. Um, yeah, I, I, I'd love nothing more, for, for Dave's sake, more than anything, for them for, for Forrest to stay up. Um, but I just think Bournemouth are just on such a good run. I think West Ham, Wolves and Palace are probably out of it now. Um, Everton, Sean Dyche, I think he'll... I think he'll keep them up by the skin of their teeth. And and like I say with Leicester, I think Dean Smith will turn them around and get them a get them enough points to stay up as well. So unfortunately yeah, I, they're the three that they're the three that stay. I'll just add to that. I just think Forest's recent form is just so bad. You know, they're looking eight or nine they've won four now. They're plummeting, you know, they really are. Um I totally agree. I think Dean Smith with Shakespeare's going back to the club obviously that he was assistant manager when they won the Premier League, unbelievable. You know, obviously he knows a lot of the players really well. You can see the shrewdness behind that appointment. Some people are saying, Dean Smith, why, why has he got the job? Well, he kept Villa up when we were seven points adrift with only four games to go. So he's got history of doing that. Um, I think he was unlucky at Norwich, really, with the, the, the job and, where you know, where they were going as a club. Um, Shakespeare knows that club really well. And Terry's obviously, you know, got, got, got a good, good calibre and pedigree when he was at Villa as well, and obviously as a player. So... I think Leicester will pick up. And when I did predictions, you did have predictions on the show last night, actually, our, our sort of running predictions. Um, I just think Everton, I don't know if I'll get enough points. I, I know that Dyche is a great manager, by the way. I think he's good, he does a really good job, but I just don't think they've got anything up top. Anything. I mean, probably the worst team I've seen at Villa play this season is Everton. Um, yeah, Southampton have weren't great as well, but Everton have been so poor. And I know he's made them a bit more solid, but... Um, I think Leeds have got just enough. I know they've got a heavy defeat the other day. They picked up a few points. Palace and Hodgson, I think, will be all right. And Bournemouth keep winning games when you don't expect it. So, um, yeah, I just think for me, I mean, I'm, we could have three, it all totally wrong with how tight it is, but I'd, I'd say those three. Can you imagine if it went to the final weekend or something like that? The final two weekends where you've got like five teams that could go down. Do you, know, do, you know, do you know what you know what we did last night when we when we were on when we were doing the running we were going week by week by week we got to game week thirty seven and I was like right Rich how many teams could still go down in our parallel universe and it was like pretty much the entire bottom six or seven you know you're going to see a situation like on the last day of the season where you're going to be shooting to the the soccer Saturday pundits go oh, massive goal of the King Power yeah. you know it's going to be yeah. it's going to be really exciting and I think you're going to get that for Europe as well it could even be. Newcastle, Spurs, Man United, seeing who's going to get top four, who's going to get Europa League, Villa, Brighton, Brentford, Liverpool for Europe. So it's just Villa magic. and Brighton play each other as well. Yeah. <laughs> We've got Liverpool and Brighton two weeks in a row. Honestly, it could be the first time ever that there could be the vast majority of the Premier League fixtures actually live because they yeah. tend to do that, don't they? They tend to have the relegation games live because they want to catch the action as, yeah. it, as it goes in. And they also... 
if there's a fight for the title, if there's a fight for Europe, the uh, Champions League, whatever it is. Could be all three, couldn't it? Could be all three. Literally, it could be all three. You're absolutely right, Chris. It could be the vast majority of the Premier League games are live and they're going to have to put them over Sky and BT to to, to be able to, to house them all. Like, do you know, do you know, do you know I, look, I, I looked at this by the way in terms of teams that have something to play for, and I think it's only Fulham who are, who are playing Palace, where they're probably both of them will have nothing on. That's probably yeah. it. Every, every other game will have relegation, Europe, or, or yeah. title will be decided, top four will be decided, Europe will be decided, and five or six teams battling out to stay up in the league, yeah. right from Fantastic. 20th to about 14th or something. It would just be nuts, wouldn't it? And we yeah. thought last year couldn't be beaten. <laughs> yeah. yeah, 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 and, and I think yeah. you'll see as well now, like you know, the next few games where goal difference, you know, it, I think teams down there are going to have to start going for it a little bit because you know if you go down on goal difference, you know, it can be tight. If you've got if you beat beating a team two 0 right now, I know it's a slightly risky move, but I think sometimes teams down there might have to take the opportunity to get a couple of goals if they can because it could be all the difference when you get to the last last day. Yeah, okay. um, right. Boys, I think we're I think we're at the at the end. There's some fantastic questions. Thank you, lads and lasses in the chat for for putting those questions in. Um, Villa 1982 is getting a lot of love from Newcastle fans in the chat. Um, great to have you in there. Um, some great opinions and, and, and great um, great chat as well uh, and questions thrown in there too. So great to have the Villa perspective in the chat as well. We, we always encourage um, like away fans to get their points in. But we get to the predictions time. Predictions now. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, Love is in there for Billy. Um, uh, anyone that watches the 12th man will know uh, Billy uh, absolutely spot on with that. And uh, great to have you on there as well. Uh, but predictions. Uh, and we'll go around the houses. So, Chris, I'm going to come to you uh, at 2.30 on Saturday. What do you think the score is going to be? I think I'm going to steal Keith's funder here. Um, I'm gonna say one one. No, oh, I'd, 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 I'd be happy with that. Chris. By the way, I'd be happy with that. Gonna, are you not gonna go a Desmond? Are you not, Chris? No, no, I don't think I can't see there being four goals. No, I think I think it'd be quite tight, and I think it'll be one one. And I wouldn't. Someone in the chat mentioned it earlier. I think Villa score first, and then we equalise. And I would happily take a point now. Actually, going to Villa Park. Okay, Kev. Um, from a Villa perspective, what do you think the score's gonna be? Well, we've said it. I don't want to kind of like, you know, tempt fate or not, or not but we've scored in every single game under Emery. Uh, we're the only, I think we're the only team in all four leagues to have scored, you know, this year in every game. Um, and so we generally always score and you've got a really, you're really good defensively, aren't you? So um, I think it's going to be 1-1 as well. That's my prediction. And I, I also too would really take that as a result. I'd be delighted with a 1-1 at home against, against Newcastle. Interesting. Um, okay. Uh, Billy, what do you think the score's going to be? <laughs> I thought I was going to be different. <laughs> um, but I completely agree with, with Chris and Kevin. I think it's going to be 1-1. One, one. I would absolutely take that. Do I think that we can beat you? I do. Do I think you can beat us? Absolutely. Um so yeah, I'll I would snap your hand off for a for a draw now. Um and it's and it's nice to hear, considering how well you've done, that Chris would be happy with a point as well. So you know I, yeah, just just give me a point. 
it's going to be uh, it's going to be a great game for for the neutral. I think there's going to be a, there's a lot riding on it anyway. So um, so yeah, fingers crossed for a result for Villa. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, look, I'm going to throw mine in there before we come to Keith. Um, <laughs> um, I'm, I'm going to stick to my predictions because it's worked so far. And like, I think I've done the last two or three games and I've said um, Newcastle to win 2-1. Um, I think it'll be a tight game, but uh, I think both teams will score. But I do believe that Newcastle will win 2-1. And um, I was right on Saturday with regards to the Brentford game. I was more than right on the Wednesday before that against against West Ham, where they we ended up smashing them five one, but don't think it'd be that type of game for sure. Um, but I'm going to go two one, um, and Newcastle. But uh, yeah, it's going to be very very interesting. And of course, we come to Keith, the old Linter. <laughs> uh, we, we we can mix between the two. We flash it up. Where's uh, Doctor No? Where's Blofeld? Where's Doctor No? I was, don't worry. I want the cat. Coming. I want the cat. They're, they're coming. They're, they're, they're in the works. Don't worry about it. But um, Keith, um, everyone wants to know your your uh, prediction for uh, for Saturday. What do you think it's going to be score wise? Got a couple of stats just to round off that I didn't include, which I should have included at the time. Um, both the guests there have mentioned about Villa's scoring record under Emery. Aston Villa have scored at least once in all 17 Premier League games so far and Unai Emery, 30 games in total there. Only two managers as well have seen a side score um, in each of their first 18 games in charge. So that's a brilliant record for Unai Emery also as well. Villa, six wins in the last seven as well. So they're on a great vein of form as well as Newcastle are at this minute in time. And I think it's going to be an entertaining, thrilling game. Um, I think Newcastle will end their losing run at Aston Villa of three games, and I think it'll be a thrilling one-one draw with Alexander Isak scoring for Newcastle. Ooh. Okay, so he, he's gone with uh, gone the one-one draw with Kev and Chris, I believe, uh, and Billy. I think you, I think yeah. all three of you, yeah. Yeah, like, yeah. all four of you. Sorry, I'm oh, doing yeah. this the difference. Uh, you will go from one-one draw, one-one draws. Uh, pretty much around the house, apart from me, guys. Um, and we're seeing that it's going to be a 1 1 draw on the cards. Um, I've gone for a 2 1. Uh, many others in the chat have gone for something a little bit different. Um, but yeah, no, it, very, very interesting. I think this is probably the one week, Keith, where uh, most people will go, you know what? Yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> if you look at the history as well of that fixture in the Premier League, just from earlier, the I think it's nine wins, eight draws, and eight defeats. So it's it's right down the middle, isn't it? Really, that fixture at Villa Park. This, yeah. The game at St James's is it's the record's always been Newcastle's bar the two infamous three nil and the one nil wins uh, when Shiro was sent off. But other than that, the um, game's always pretty much been dominated Newcastle St. James is the game at Villa it could go either way but more likely to be a 1-1 draw <laughs> interesting <laughs> very interesting well uh, we'll keep an eye on that one uh, that's for sure but um, look guys it's been an absolute pleasure um, thank you so much for Billy Kev um, pleasure uh, for your your opinions on all things Villa um, it's been a really really good chat um, that, that's for sure. Keith with the stats 
absolutely spot on as always. And uh, uh, the old Brandy and Blaze back in business, Chris, always a pleasure, never a chore um, to, to share the screen with you. Um, just before we go, we have to say um, a huge thank you to everyone uh, with regards to um, our sponsors. So a huge thank you to um, the Radiator Shed, radiatorshed.com. Uh, thank you for all your support, Russ and the team. And of course, we've got Keith and Billy in the prison. Um, uh, and rightly so, uh, Newcastle and Villa uh, combined. And of course, Ready to Shed, uh, they provide top quality materials made from um, plate steel, providing longevity. All designs are manufactured in Italy. Aluminium rads are very environmentally friendly and are perfect for heat source pumps. And look, they offer a home survey and will install if required and lots of fantastic options available to us. Um, we also have a fantastic newest sponsor, uh, Bathroom Designs uh, H2O, um, the Northeast largest supplier of Villaroy and Botch Bathroom Wear, uh, Team Valley Gateshead, over 20 years established and ran by the family. Get down to anywhere in the showrooms on 11th Avenue, um, Valley Estate Gateshead uh, to get your bathrooms sorted. And of course, if you haven't seen the pictures before, um, there's some fantastic bathrooms available. Of course, um, uh, you know if you're interested in your bathrooms, uh, my wife keeps banging on my door to get a new bathroom. Haven't seen these pictures. So I've now got to find the money to be able to provide that bathroom, uh, which is going to be uh, um, a tough ask. Uh, but um, as well, if you want to become a member, um, and we've had some new members tonight, so thank you to those members that have joined the Loaded family. Um, click that join button. You can only do it on laptop. You can't do it on a mobile phone. But one ninety nine a month, become a member. And of course, Chris, um, um, case in point, is the guy um, that will be sorting out um, our um, um, prize draws, and there'll be one coming up very, very shortly, no doubt. So, if you want to be part, of, you want to be part of that spinny wheel, as we always see. Uh, make sure you become a member of Loading Mag NUFC, and with a chance of winning some fantastic prizes um, and being a part of of the channel, of course, um, guys. That is it. It's been an absolute pleasure. Um, if you haven't already, anyone in the chat, lads and lasses, click that like, click that subscribe button. We've had a number of sub, um, new subscribers tonight, so thank you, thank you very much. Um, and, of course, uh, we are uh, going to be back with some more, and I'll just promote very, very quickly what we've got to come. Um, so, we have the Villa Reaction um, on Saturday night, hopefully from a Newcastle perspective, um, with um, a three points in the bag. Um, so keep an eye on that as well. And if you haven't watched the show before, um, your answers question, which was last night, um, uh, you, sorry, your questions answered. Um, we had lots and lots of different questions around Champions League, Europa League, and various other things. And of course, I promote this separately. If you haven't yet donated to our charity game, we're playing against um, uh, Newcastle Fans TV, the Loaded Boys, on the 29th of April um, uh, at the Newcastle NUFC Foundation. Uh, get yourselves um, on there. Get yourselves um, uh, donating to a fantastic cause, the Gateshead Food Bank. We're already nearly at our target, which was £200. Um, fantastic. Thank you to Ian McKenna last night for your £100 donation um, to a 
fantastic cause that went in today. If you haven't already donated, it's for a great cause. Please do so. Um, it means the most to us. But just just a, just a little um, tip for you. If you want to donate, don't, don't donate to the channel. Donate to the Just Giving page. Because with the channel, whenever you donate to the channel, YouTube takes 30%. And we would hate for 30% to be taken away from your donation to the, to the Gateshead Food Bank. So donate directly to the Just Giving page. Um, it's up on our channel. It's up on our account on, 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 on Twitter. So make sure that you give to that page rather than give to the channel obviously if you want to donate to the channel separately by all means it helps us move forward and continue our good work um but yeah just for the just giving page make sure you do that directly um that's for sure but look just to jump in as well Pete, just to add in um we've already had some donations uh via the channel haven't we for me and mckenna and a, a couple of others as well really really generous what we're gonna do um we're gonna we're gonna top up to make sure 100 percent goes over to the foundation so any donations that have previously been made we will put the money to it um but as pete said from now on if you know you've got any um if you've got any, if you'd like to make any donations um, for the Just Given page towards the uh, Gateshead Foundation, use that link below, please. Thanks for putting that up, Daz. Definitely. Top man, Daz, as always. And we'll get it out there. Um, and we'll have the Newcastle Fans TV boys on very, very soon to talk tactics and, and banter in the build-up to the game. Um, uh, Simon says what time the game is. It kicks off at 12 o'clock on the 29th at the Newcastle NFC Foundation, so make sure you're there. There's about 60 people that can come and view the game, um, so make sure you get there early if you want to view the game. And, boys, that is it. Absolute pleasure. Gone on way beyond than what we expected to, but it's been such a great chat, and we always have fantastic guests, but Kev and Billy have been superb, uh, as always, as Villa representatives, so thank you very, very much. Can I, can I just say one final thing, by the way? Um, Good luck, your charity, good luck with your charity game, but I hope that's the only lunchtime victory that you get in the next few weeks. <laughs> ah, ah. <laughs> I'm <second> that. <laughs> of course, of course, but from a very perspective, that's the case. And yeah, um, but, uh, no, but all, all, all jokes aside, like good luck, you know. I think if you need to break break the top four, be um, a real confidence boost for a lot of other teams, bit behind. So you know, listen, this this, uh, this weekend aside, all the best for it. Good luck. And to you as well. Absolutely. And hopefully we're both sitting playing European football next season. Um, that'll be the hope. And we uh, disrupt those traditional top sixes, as we say. But guys yeah. and, and girls, thank you very, very much. Um, of course, we do love playing away. Guys, how do we like that?
Drink it.